Okay, this is the Immigrant Hustle Podcast. I am your host, B Magic. As always, I got my brother Noise with me. And today, very special show. We are joined by three super dope guests. Uh, two of them we've had on the show before. From yes, season sir. one, we had Scotty IV. Season two, we had Tremaine. And for the first time on our show, we've got Jay Parks, all three of whom represent the Stay Out Late group. So welcome to the show, guys. Bop, 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 bop. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so, Tremaine, what are you drinking, Tremaine? OJ and vodka. Oh, oh. I was going to cheers you. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, vodka. Okay, cheers, 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 cheers. <laughs> Salute. Well, uh, we might as well start with a cheer. Salute to the man. Uh, 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 uh. Scotty, you out here. You, you, you driving right now, eh? Yeah, you bro. <laughs> no drinks for you, man. That's Palm Bay right there. That, doesn't that, that, that looks like the Palm Bay logo, no? Yo, Scotty, you remember that you know, he's watching his figure, bro. You got the Palm Bay with zero calories. Yeah, bro. <laughs> Quarantine fat, bro. I need to, you know, make some changes, bro. You know? <laughs> Are you in Brampton? No, no, Toronto, Toronto. Oh. Bro, why are you dropping the location, bro? Chill, chill. I, I, yeah, chill. <laughs> don't drop that. I may or may not have a total. <laughs> I was trying to get him to bring me some, uh, some, uh, some of the, the, uh, the, the Ghana juice. Uh, you talking about the, uh, you're talking about the bitters, the shot. Ah, <laughs> the bitters. You're, you're gonna hear a story behind the bitters so people know what's going on. Yeah, Lomo bitters is like, <laughs> uh, so so. I'm I'm for anybody who doesn't know, I'm I'm from Ghana, West Africa, but we we make bitters. A lot of different cultures do a similar thing, but we'll take like tree roots and like bark and like a bunch of like very bitter or like strong tasting shit. Put it in a bottle. And then you can put whatever type of alcohol you want in it in that same bottle to to marinate with all of that yes, and leave sir. it a week or so. Bro, it, t- it tastes like tree bark. It's not Bro. even an exaggeration. Y'all crazy. Y'all crazy for that, bro. I don't know why Trey drinks that shit. <laughs> Trey, you, may, you probably hate yourself if you drink that shit, bro. That <laughs> like, shit's wild lit for as fuck, bro. For what, what, bro? <laughs> if the, only reason, the only reason you drink that shit if you eat something or drink something equally nastier. You gotta wash it down with, cause that shit is crazy, bro. Yeah, I have one sip. Dissing, bro. Like yo, we chase we chase bitters with Bacardi because the Bacardi tastes so much. Oh my god, <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's a science, bro. <laughs> well, yo, now that we've gotten our bitters history lesson out of the way, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, obviously we are we are here to talk uh, talk about the things that are going in the world today, and you know. It's, it's tough times, but, um, you know, the conversations like this is what ultimately is going to heal us in times like this. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll try to make it as fun as possible because, yo, that you know, I find that you have to, as hard as it is, sometimes you need to laugh in times like this, right? And that's why I'm kind of happy that that Dave Chappelle uh, special yeah. kind of came out. It was a yeah. really good timing. It, it, it To me, when I heard that it came out, I'm like, fuck is this gonna hit like it like it's gonna hit but luckily it you know it it, it treated us like any other Chappelle special right that's but, the thing uh, with Chappelle he has his finger on the pulse of like society so so well that like his timing and his commentary is always on point yes sir but that but that shit I barely laughed at that shit that shit was heavy as fuck man. no you see the emotion it, in his voice when he's talking it, about George Floyd that shit was heavy dog I, 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 have, I had to force myself to giggle like yeah. you know, it was them vibes. Like facts. Any 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 little joke you made, even the thing that wasn't really funny, I had to laugh at because I was like, "Yo, I don't feel right. This doesn't feel like Chappelle 
it, it did feel like Chappelle in a way though too because he always looks at things in like like uh like just a like a genius way like he he mm. life in a in a Dave Chappelle way and it was cool to see that not be funny because it was like yo I can't even joke about this shit like one of the funniest guys ever yeah. joke about which, this shit which there were still there were still moments where I guess like in regard to him being able to to keep people like intrigued or interested he dropped a little one two that made you like chuckle or whatever yeah i'm also interested <laughs> in like the the parallels between like I, like i have a lot of friends and uh who are part of like the lgbtq community who like wrote, wrote him off from the other special that he did that he was yeah. just like riding on like um, transsexuals community, right and right. then like to transition into this where like to me i thought it was like one of the greatest like moments for being empowering for having self-reflection and like if people are going to have the opportunity especially from the lgbtq community to take it in and have that same effect and and not i don't even know if it has to be forgiveness but just to be able to consume that moment and to have it be something that drives them in whatever direction with whatever's with everything that's going on with black lives matter yeah just being able to take separate the artist and the art and just appreciating what he's saying for that and not weighing it against his past commentary exactly. a lot of people will be able to relate to it even even like there, there's power in seeing somebody who you look up to like the, like a Dave Chappelle and seeing the anger in his voice, mm-hmm. right? Like that 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 speaks volumes, right? Because because you know we're used to seeing him in such a funny light, but it's like yo, like the shit is affecting a lot of our favorite people in whatever fields they are, right? And it affects all of us, but like you know it's it it it. Maybe for the person who does not think that this is a big deal, maybe it takes something like that for them to fucking realize. So for real. th- I feel like there is some power within it. And I feel like sharing our experiences is the best way for people to learn. Because until you have felt what what people of color feel every day, then you're not going to realize what the fuck it's like. Right. And that's kind of something that we want to get into today is 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 hearing some of your guys first encounters with racism up until dealing with racism in this music industry that we're in. But let's say let's start from our early ages. If if we can share some stories of maybe your first encounters with racism because you hear it, but then to actually live it. Is is a totally different thing. So uh, whoever whoever wants to set it off, guys. I, I have a I have a story. I'll start by saying just just like for me, um, and it's something I posted about on Instagram. Like I was never even fully conscious of the fact that I had experienced racism until you know becoming an adult or or until like old, being older in age. I look back on so many experiences I had in my past and realize, yo, that's like low key racism like something as simple as like being in kindergarten and then like having like let's say like a fade or like a one level haircut and then like white kids telling me nah you're bald mm, yeah <laughs> you're, you're the only black kid in that 
kindergarten class, it's like, why do these people keep calling me a bald? I'm not fucking bald. Like, but <laughs> it's serious. It's, it's it's not it's not a thing then, but that's the beginning of you starting to train yourself to like defend yourself because you're the only one that looks the way you do, right? Yeah. Like for me, which is different than a lot of a lot of other stories, is like I I never ever felt like I was overtly a victim of racism per se like no one is ever like yo fuck you you nigger like any of that type of shit when i was growing up and like i've always been well spoken i've always been like you know i've always done well in school and like a lot of that, sh- that type of that type of shit because my parents raised me to be that way knowing that i could be a victim of racism if i wasn't right mm-hmm. so like you don't realize when you grow up like that that like you're living your entire life based on what other people might perceive of you versus being yourself. <clears throat> you know what I mean? So my whole experience and my whole story is was and and the post that I made was based on like the victims of racism are not necessarily people who have had this XYZ happen to them, but they have been a victim of racism by changing themselves and living a life that they would not have lived if racism wasn't an issue going into an elevator and like i'm having a bad day and i just i don't feel like smiling but like i'll go into an elevator and i see there's white people in there and i just put like a little smile on just so that you know they know like i'm not i'm not gonna hurt them you know but that's not even that's not a thought process it's just natural it's second nature yeah that's facts me and dark skin do i feel like and me being a larger dark skin guy there's like a responsibility for me to come across non-threatening. Exactly. So like, I'll 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 make sure like if I walk into a, a drugstore or, or a corner store, I take my hat off, take my hood off, so they don't think instantly, oh shit, they're the typecast dude. And mm-hmm. or like or like if I'm walking down the street and I see an old white lady, like I make sure to kind of like nudge off the sidewalk enough that she has the space she needs, so she doesn't feel like uncomfortable. And like those things you do subconsciously to make other people comfortable, but like. The only reason I'm doing that is because I'm aware that how they might see me, and that's that's I won't say it's racism or racism, but it's like systemic like programming. No, knowing 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 you you're 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 the knowing that every everything you do creates the perception and the blueprint for everybody else is a lot of pressure. So like 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 that's what that's why I feel a pressure to act a certain way because like if I do some shit that's fucked up, if I fucking litter. Or I do some, or I'm swearing, being belligerent. Whoever mm. hears that is gonna think all black people are like that. Yeah, I feel every single black person has the responsibility of every black person on their shoulders because they represent the whole. You know, so like if if one black guy's out here being belligerent, if one black guy's out here acting kind of niggerish, <laughs> like that's that's yeah. that's a, people will take that and be like, see, that's, I see, see, that's how they are. But like. You know what I mean? Those are the dudes that just happen to get the attention, because more than a majority of us don't act like that. But that's, I think the, that's the, there's also this like I I don't even know how to explain it, but it's basically like okay, a lot of things in regard to like I guess like free will or just like raw emotion comes from like black culture, right? So for instance, uh, Jay being like that dude over there acting kind of niggerish like that's something that only exists because they're like for some reason we are that we were those people you know what i mean we're the people who are like yo we'll have a moment where because we have to keep this standard up we'll slip and be like 
fuck this shit today, you know what I mean? Or, like, wild out because we spend our entire fucking life, like, having to act this particular way. So sometimes we just snap. And, like, certain phrases and emotions and feelings and people, like, they relate to it, but also they're afraid of it, you know what I mean? And I feel like that's kind of, like, where you get into, like, hip-hop and, like, the hip-hop swagger and, like, that energy that, like, comes with it is the fact that it's a lot of people who are like, yo, I'm getting out. Like, I'm not playing this game no more. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, Magic, to answer your question, sorry, no, to answer your question about the first racist experience or first experience I had with a cop, um, see, like, it's hard to me to even, like, dissect it now and, and see if it's racism or not. But back in the day, me and Scotty went to the same elementary school, same middle school and same high school, but... In elementary school, we used to have the bus to, because it was like some far off school, and the way they zoned it was stupid, because Brampton's stupid with that. But I used to miss the bus on purpose, because I used to like to walk to school. So I used to walk like 40 walk minutes to school. Them. And uh, one time I was walking, this would have been like grade six, so it would have been like 11 or 12. I can't remember how old that was in grade six. But I was walking, and a uh, cop pulled me over in the middle of the street um, by Bramley City Center. And he was like, uh, there was a robbery in the area. Mind you, it's like 9 o'clock, 8.30. So I don't know who's robbing places at 8.30 in the morning, but regardless, <laughs> it was like 8.30 in the morning. I think they're on it, bro. <laughs> <laughs> that's, 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 the, that's, that's, the, that's the routine they use to, to pull people over. They're like, oh, there was something happening in this area. And then they like, we need to search you. So they're like, yo, uh, the robbery in the area, uh, what's in your bag? And I'm like, my school stuff. It's like, well, do you have any ID? And I'm like, Nah, because I'm in middle school. So I have, like, the middle school ID, so I give it to him. He's like, can I search your bag? I didn't know any better, so I'm like, yeah. So dude takes my bag and just dumps it out on the street. Just dumps it out on the sidewalk, and he seizes all the textbooks. He's like, all right, you're free to go. And he just, like, gets in his car and leaves my shit on the sidewalk and drives off. And, like, at the moment, I was, like, I was a little nervous because I've never dealt with a cop in my life. And I didn't understand, like, what the fuck was happening at the moment. So I kind of let it breeze. But looking back on it... That's actually what we're talking about earlier. Cops is having like their chest out and moving a certain way and not taking into consideration that like I'm being humble. I'm, I'm a kid. Maybe I should deal with this person like on a on a level like a human being. They dealt with me like they would pretty much any black person they encounter. And that 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 set me up because I've been hearing since I was a kid from my parents, from my brothers and sisters, like watch out for police. Make sure when you see police, blah blah blah, act a certain way, say yes sir, move a certain way. So, like, that shit was playing in my head the whole time, not realizing, like, bro, this is actually happening to me. So that was my first experience with cops. I've had crazy experiences since. A few times with Tremaine. I don't know, Tremaine, remember that time we were driving to Jane and Finch and the cops pulled us over with, like, 10 cruisers and they were shining lights in and shit? And they yeah. pulled us all out with me, you, Dale, and, um, shit, what was that guy's name? Petey? No, it was the, the dread dude. Fictional. These are all fictional. Oh. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I was saying DR trade me. So, yeah, I was driving my sister's house and we got pulled over, and for no reason, really. They were just like a bunch of black guys in a whip and they pulled us over. They made us all sit on the curb in the middle of the winter and like searched our car top to bottom for like 30, 40 minutes. And they, sh they, they, they do this thing when they shine this freaking big ass light at you. So, you, you feel like you're like about to be abducted by a UFO or some shit. Like, it's, mm -hmm. it's so disoriented. And, like, I've been searched one time. Remember that time, uh, Scotty, in front of uh, Dusty's house? Trey was there, too. We were waiting for Dusty to come out of his crib. 
parked in front of his house, and cops pull up on us, and they're like, they they pulls out the whip and they strip search the car and everything, and like again, like just chilling in your whip is like a thing. Like you can't even sit around and wait for your friends to come out while the cops harassing us. Right. It, just to, just to add to your point there, kind of, it's like um, people like when we're young, right? We're not we're not raised to be like fuck the police. Like that that's not instilled within you from your family. Like it, 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 yeah, you your family members might have dealt with police and they might talk down on it, but you don't you don't fucking walk around in the world being fuck the cops. It always takes an instance within your life for you mm. to be like, "Holy fuck, they treated me like shit." Like, mm. you know, it's like, "Oh, this shit is for real." Like it's not just it's not just the folklore that you hear about. And that's when you become anti-police because mm. they treated you like shit they haven't treated you like a citizen or like the next man so so that whole shit of yo we're just being raised to be not snitches and and this and we're not we're not supposed to talk to cops like no like they this has been created uh, uh, through the circumstances we have dealt with mm-hmm. i and mean it, it's scary so, think, of, think of it this way like as a child right your parents are your your protector as citizens the police are supposed to be our protectors so when you have an interaction with your protector and your protector treating you like like shit like you're the threat that shit does a number on your on your on your psyche because like imagine if your mom yo yeah like an abusive parent like like that should fuck you up without you realizing it because these are the people that are supposed to make you feel safe and if the those people are the ones that are making you feel the most threatened in your life that's a big problem it's this thing they do that it's like they implant this thing in your head like you're the you ever like you ever feel like you're doing something wrong when you know you're not and they like they make like you gaslighting. feel like you're doing something yeah they make you feel like you're doing something and then you are automatically acting shady now because you're worried about something that you didn't even do so now you're on your like you're on your you're on your 10 toes just trying to be like just proper and now you're acting not how you normally will because you the dynamic's all fucked up. And you didn't even create that dynamic. You just existed. And that's the shit that's fucked up. And it's a position of power too. And and like and and I feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of police officers police officers that don't take that seriously. Cause even having this conversation rehashes other memories that I, I didn't realize were buried. So like mm. we 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 were shooting the video for God building. I heard about that. I heard about that. Cops end up swarming the place and then we come out and then like something I thought about that was kind of fucked up was we're like, yo, we're like, oh, we're just in here shooting a music video, telling the truth about what we're doing, telling the truth about why we're there. And these guys think it's funny to be like, oh, oh, that's cool. Like, what are are your YouTubes? And like, while our hands are on the hood, which is hot, Mm -hmm. they're asking us to freestyle. Like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. Yeah, that was fucked up, actually. Oh, and they, they had, like, dogs oh, and what? shit. They threatened to bring dogs on us. I remember that shit. I remember being fucking scared of the shit because of the dogs. Not even the cops. It was the dogs I was afraid of because those yeah. motherfuckers, they don't know any better. They're going to bite the shit out of us. I forgot about <laughs> that shit. Like, I forget about that shit. And it's just, like, so much happens as a person of color to you, and your parents will prepare you for it. So you build it. You, you put this wall up that allows you to just let the shit slide, let it slide, let it slide, let it slide. And then you don't really process how fucked up it really is. So, like, I, I know this is, like, off topic and not really on the question. But, like, I think it's a good time that we're in right now because, like, people are starting to finally go back and address all that. 
and realize like it's not okay like it's really not okay us as people of color are not being treated the same yeah just just on the on the topic of like going back and reflecting on things so i've been thinking a lot about as far as how my parents have talked about race with me and they never did you know that's i guess that's my privilege in the sense that they never had you know quote unquote the talk about race with me their whole thing was like you know the teachers are the authority the police are the authority you do right by them and you'll be fine because you know they were new immigrants to this country so their whole thing was like you know you're here you you're a citizen you're born here so that gives you legitimacy and you know they thought that just by having like that the privilege of a birth certificate that i wouldn't have to deal with any of the bs that they did when they came here so that that was kind of like their perspective on it. it's like you're a citizen you're born here no one can say anything to you but that was like their blind spot so i grew up kind of having to learn about race through through music through books it was all through my own research and through my own experiences similar to like you're mentioning with the god building video um for you guys that came like your family came from ghana or family came from jamaica family came from norway like did you did you guys have that talk with your parents or like how early did you have that talk as far as you know these are the police you trust them you don't trust them like what was uh like the conversation with regards to that i was fortunate enough to have older siblings because my parents being from jamaica the dynamic of police and racism is way different than north america like canada so their uh, their optics and, and their experiences they my dad would tell me like watch out for police and if you please pull you over you don't give them any smoke my brothers were way more militant. They'd be like, yo, fuck cops. If they ask you anything, you don't say shit. And like, he, I, my older brother particularly, he he went on a tangent once because uh, a cop had pulled him over for having an expired uh, ticket on his, uh, not ticket, um, the sticker on, plate. on your plate, on his yeah. plate. And the cop was, was, it was like, it was like his birthday was like a week before and he thought he had entered in a month to do it. And the cop gave him a ticket and, like, took his license and was being a dickhead and shit. And he came home all fucked up and he was like, yo, fuck cops, are all racist. Every one of them is racist. And I would have been, like, five years old. So this is me hearing my brother speak about something. And he's never passionate about shit. And that was my first time hearing someone talk about cops in a, in a, in a, in a, in a way that's, like, they're not your allies. They're not here to help you. And they don't fuck with you because you're black. And you're black. So just know that my experience is unique to me. You're gonna see this shit happen to you too. So that was a, that was that was my prep talk for police, and I got that at like what five six years old. For me, it was I'm the oldest of my siblings, um, but it was like a similar situ similar age of like four or five, and it was uh, being in a car when it gets pulled over and my like stepdad like basically getting like bodied and then brought to jail and me having to sit with the cops until my mom comes to pick me up to bring me home after like they arrest like my stepdad. Wow. Mm-hmm. Fuck, wow. That's heavy. There are reasons around it, but like at the same time, I don't feel like it was just like one of those situations where it's like, Yo, you get put into the system, and then whatever you do, no matter how small it is, once you're in the system, you're fucked. Yeah, because they'll you know pull you mean? over and they'll run your place, and every time they run and your place it. or they run your ID, you go, you, oh, you come with us. You were oh, jaywalking come. five years ago? Yeah, yeah, come over here and let's talk to you and detain <laughs> yeah. your ass. Yeah, I've seen that happen a lot. A lot, a lot. 
You know what? Another thing that's fucked up, I had an experience with a cop. This happened to a few of my friends. Apparently, there's a thing in Brampton with black guys dating white girls. I don't, I don't know about it, but I had an experience with a, with a white girl <laughs> in my car once. <laughs> according to your research <laughs> according to my research i had one experience with a white girl one of the only white girls i ever met in my life regardless um we're in a car we're parked we're parked up <laughs> and a cop pulls up on me and the first thing he says to her are you okay are you in any danger and i'm thinking what the fuck it was like is she okay you'd ask me if i'm okay she's the one yelling at me to whip over some fuck shit you know, but like the 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 notion that she's with a black guy in a car is that she's in some sort of danger. It pissed her off, and she started being all mouthy to the cops, and I got super nervous because I know how that plays out, and it wasn't gonna play out bad for her because she was a white girl. They're gonna come at me sideways. I managed to sweet talk him out of it and like calm her down, but I'm, that was that was crazy for me because I understood that moment in any situation where it comes down to a Caucasian person and a black person, the cops are going to side with the Caucasian person nine out of ten times. And that was an eye-opening experience for me. And it's a valuable experience because any situation where I'm around people outside my race, especially white people, and shit gets hectic, I get the fuck out of there because I know that even if I'm not involved, I'm going to get singled out by the cops. That's just how it is. I don't know if these guys had any experiences similar, but I've had a few friends that had a similar experience, and that's a real thing. That's like a real consistent thing that happens. So, story yeah. about the the moral of the story is: don't be in cars with white women. <laughs> <laughs> no, even even like for me, like you know, like racism was always talked about, right? I guess for us as 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 brown individuals, the police thing was was never really there yet right like now we're starting to see it a lot more but it was never like yo the, uh, the cops are gonna fuck with you just because you're brown like now nowadays after 9 11 it was like like me mm. and noise have had have, have had traveling experiences where it's like yo i feel guilty the second i fucking put my my bags into my car heading to the airport mm. i'm already like holy fuck i gotta be on my um, you know, I gotta, I gotta make sure everything's crisp. I can't give them a fucking reason to pull me aside or this and that. And it's like every time that happens with me and noise, right? But it was like even when it came to the to to just racism and systemic racism that we face in the world, my parents were always just like, just, just, just. You have to be better. We always have to carry ourselves with more class. It's a mm. shame, right? That even as little kids, you have to be like, yo. We have to be top of the notch or we're mm. going to be looked at as fucking, in our terms, they look at you like a fucking packy, right? Mm. Like that, that's, that's what you're going to be if you don't hold yourself to a, to a higher standard, right? right? And it's like the, the sad part is as a child, that should be the least of your fucking worries in life, mm. you know? But, but that is like you, like you guys just share those stories at the age of five. That is some people's reality. And mm -hmm. until until people realize that that fucking kids have to grow up aware of this shit, like that that that's not a fucking world I want to live in. Like it's right. sad. It's a sad reality. Right. That story I, I, about that airport uh, reminds me of that picture Noise took with um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is a classic picture, by the way. You should bring that back up. Put it this in my life. <laughs> 
Yeah. I was going to say, I can identify with that 100% just because um, having parents that are that came to Canada from West Africa, like, they, they, they really drilled it in my head, like, yo, in life, you're going to have these battles, you're going to have these struggles, and, like, it's going to be a lot of white people that look at you like you're something different. So make sure you carry yourself this way, that way, that way. Like, like, like you, like you said, top notch. Hold yourself to a higher standard, and it's not even like a higher standard. It's hold yourself to the standard that they look for. Yeah, mm. you know what I mean. Mm. I think it's like crazy to think about how, like, I, I, I've been thinking a lot about the complexity of how that works because it kind of puts you off your game. It's like. You, you're training your whole life to play a fucking team that's playing, uh, like, man-to-man, and then you get to the game and they switch to zone defense, and you're like, bro, what the <laughs> 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 before? Like, what am I going to do? You know what I mean? And, like... I, you got to run the baseline, my nigga. It's, like... <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting to, like, think about the things that exist. Like, for instance, when you guys were talking about, like, being a kid and being prepped to like be up to this standard, like you have to act to this level or like you're going to be discriminated against or whatnot while the little white kid is fucking throwing a tantrum in the airport and fuck, you know what I mean? And doing a whole bunch of fuck shit and how we miss those opportunities. And it's funny because I was like, I was on uh, this um, like site Nowness and they put out this thing basically about like, the the opportunities missed being a black child but they kind of like they identify it through the things that we as children don't even realize we're going through so it's like for instance putting like one of those like airbrushed r.i.p t-shirts on your kid and your kid being like yo this is fly the colors boom 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 but like it's some real heavy shit like right. <laughs> you're wearing the r.i.p t-shirt of like your dad's like best friend or whatever the case may be and the crazy shit like that that we go through that we don't have an opportunity to really talk about uh, as a family until, like, later on. You know what I mean? And mm. if that. Noise, I wanted to ask, sorry, not noise, uh, Magic, I wanted to ask you, being from Europe, growing up your early years in Europe, is racism there as overt or as, as deliberate as it is here, or is it different? Yo, that that is the crazy part, is, like, and I don't, I, like, Obviously, like I moved here at age 10, so a a lot of things are blurry, but I never felt overt like racism there. Like, Mm. you know, it's a weird, like, obviously, I was blessed to be born in a country like Norway, right? I could have gone a little bit south, gone to Germany, I could have been in England, and it could have been a completely different thing, right? Mm. Like, I somehow ended up in a place that was very, like, it, like the, obviously there's white privilege everywhere but mm. it's not fucking it's not like a power tool to them like they're mm. not just like oh, i'm gonna use this like you know so it's like growing up i never i never felt that shit like my insecurities came when i came to canada and it's like the the teacher's butchering your name and now there's a bunch of people giggling at it and i was mm. like bro i was just amongst fucking 20 blue-eyed blonde-haired kids and they never fucking giggled at my name. They were fucking mm. interested. 
Mm-hmm. So it's like there, there is something that is like Europe has its racist history. Like, fuck, there's no like, you know, that's it's right there. It's there for us to study. Right. But like, I don't know. There's something about North America where it's very like it's in your fucking face every day. I was, right. Like race is such a fucking like it's such a everyday constant. thing. Here. It's a constant. It's a I, constant. Yeah. I almost feel like America, it's, it's like North America was like the guinea pig because like North America was the new world where the systematic racism was implemented. Like we, we they, that's where this started. The systematic side of it came in North America because in Africa, in Europe, in all the other continents, everybody was native or indigenous to those areas already. So shit's already set up. The systems are already set up. You can't fuck with that. But it's like, okay, cool. Europeans are like, okay, cool. We're going to take over this brand new land. We're going to bring people over as slaves to build it up and have systematic oppression, systematic racism. You know what I mean? That's why I feel like it's 10 times worse in, in Canada and the United States because it's set up to be that way. It's that manifest destiny shit. I feel like the white people or the Caucasians that are, have been here for generations have this notion that they're better than everyone else. Whereas, like, yeah, where you, where you come from Europe, there's pockets of white people that know, like, I've been poor for, like, 400 years, my family. So they don't they don't have that same, like, yeah. that same chip on their shoulder, like, I'm better than everyone. But in North America, especially in the South, they all have that, like, yo, man, my, my great granddaddy was this and this, and they all feel like they're better than the next person. And but it, I do it just feel comes like down you to can't, you can't, <clears throat> Say that Europe is exempt because, like, UK no, no. still they're not it's exempt. different. It's different. They're not, not exempt. exempt. Like, they're not exempt. I feel like not exempt. I spoke about this um, the last time I was on Immigrant Hustle, but like going to visit my bro playing soccer in Germany, and like, like literally them treating him like a piece of shit. Like, like you're nothing. Like him being insanely talented. And them completely ignoring the talent to push him aside to be like, oh, you're like, yeah, like, yeah, I mean, you don't speak the native tongue. And it, it's like, it's funny because like he took like, uh, what, two, three months to learn enough German to survive. Then he got really good at it. But like, then they start looking at like the 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 way you say things like, oh, your slang is off. You know what I mean? Like you have to mm. slang. And, and it's so that's a Quebec so, shit. <laughs> they get so into like just like however they can separate you and give give a reason for you not to like be as valuable as their own. You know what I mean? And it's like insane to see that shit. And like for him, which I guess like is is interesting for me is that like I've always been kind of I guess like because I learned very early. Like I've always been super aware of that shit, and I and I always take it into consideration and take offense to it, and like I I'm I'm like I'm actively feeling like that shit needs to be fixed. So when I went over it, I was like blown away. But like I'm having conversations with him, and he's still kind of like sinking it in. But like again, it goes back to the original conversation that we were having about like when you live in it, your way of survival is to fucking bury that shit and do whatever you have to do. Facts, hundred percent. The crazy thing about the soccer analogy is, there's a you know Mario Balotelli. This guy yeah. is like an Italian fucking hero. He's one of the yeah. best players in in that period. He had like a good five year period where he was one of the best players in the world. Yeah. And they're still throwing. They're still making monkey noises 
the Italian fans when he's playing for Italy were making monkey noises, throwing bananas and shit. He's playing for your fucking country. He's yeah. scoring goals in the World Cup. He's killing shit. He's bringing honor and, and all that shit to your country. And raised by an Italian lady. Like. And, and you guys still can't look past his color of his skin. You still have to belittle him and shit on a world mm-hmm. stage like that. So, like, I, that's when I realized. I'm like, it don't matter how fucking good you are, how talented you are. If you put their fucking flag on your fucking chest, you're still a nigga to them. They don't give yeah. a fuck. Yo, you know what a big thing is? Like, just, like obviously, Europe is never exempt from fucking the racial thing. Obviously, it's fucking clearly there just as much as that's it where, is. That's where it started. Right? <laughs> that's, that's where it was learned from, right? But this is the thing. North America, like, like a lot of places, a lot of places in the world, we have culture. We have culture, right? We have a culture. Everybody in whatever ethnicity has their culture of their land, their music, their food, their whatever. Everything in North America... It's somebody else's culture. There's no fucking culture that is North American culture. It is a cultivation of a bunch of different cultures. So th- that that's kind of the thing. It's like over here, it just like they can't. Just, how are you supposed to act Canadian? What the fuck is a Canadian? Oh, you gotta eat mac and cheese. You gotta eat mac and cheese. You, like that? What mac fan. and cheese with ketchup? And I gotta fucking yeah, yeah. hot dog pieces. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget the hot dog pieces. And you gotta, you gotta, you gotta really like either the Maple Leafs or Montreal Canadiens, Edmonton, those teams. That's whatever. Either one of those two teams. <laughs> that's what I learned. I'm like, I gotta be a Maple Leafs fan. Man, when I go to my white friend's house. I better be smacking my lips when I eat that mac and cheese because they're gonna look at me funny. Bro. <laughs> I feel like Yo, this is where that's... if you eat the same shit that your pets eat, then you're a Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think I think we could have a mac and cheese debate for a good hour still. <laughs> the culture here, anything that was original to North America, it it was wiped out. Like it was actively suppressed. We see it in Canada through residential schools. Um Yo, let's go, let's go, let's go into this topic, right? We we tend to look to our our neighbors down south and be like, "Oh, it's an American problem." Right. Let's talk about this this false narrative that Canada doesn't have racism. I give you a story because I've traveled for soccer, played rap soccer. I know you can attest. Yes, and sir. like I and Tremaine too, he's played rap soccer, so he's traveled outside of the GTA. So growing up in Brampton and Toronto, I thought like everywhere else was as multicultural as those this pocket. I learned quickly oh. that wasn't the case. <laughs> And I think it was, I went to, like, London, Ontario, or Burlington. Or maybe it was both of these places. And the players on, first off, first thing I noticed was their soccer fields were much nicer than the ones in Brampton. <laughs> Everyone's pulling up in, <laughs> Everyone's pulling up in SUVs. The players all had the nicest kits, nicest kicks, everything. But, like, that's just whatever. That's just money. But the way these motherfuckers would talk to you during the game, the shit they would say to you, the way they come at you. Like, I heard a coach say, they're just black players. Like, they don't have skill. Just pass the ball around. And I'm thinking to myself, what the fuck does being black have to do with having skill in soccer? That's the kind of, that's the kind of rhetoric I would be hearing. And it was fucked. Even when I played North Miss, I played a lot of, like, I played for Brampton. I played a lot of Italian and Portuguese and some other, like, black guys and some brown guys as well. But... When I would play for against against like an all black team, they'd be like, "Why are you playing with these hockeys, bro? Like, come play with us and shit." So I, I experienced just leaving leaving just the little pocket I was in, going like maybe 30, 40 minutes outside of the city. I would see little little glimpses of like 
entitlement and better than thou like behavior from these white kids that played soccer. That was my first experience outside of like Brampton and dealing with like stupid idiots in Brampton. That was my first experience dealing with like just the notion that someone thinks they're better than me because their 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 skin is lighter than mine. Um, like even even me and noise like we we always talk about this right you mm. you you leave outside this bubble that is the GTA right we've yeah. we've like coming all being from Brampton right when you when you head up to you know when you had your high school prom and your prom after party you go to Wasega right you might mm. you might you might stop off in a town like Shelbourne <laughs> you might stop off in a Shelbourne and be in a Timmy's. And all of a sudden, you don't feel so comfortable. Bro, do you get nervous when you stop in a small town? I, yes, I will get my bagel and be gone. Bro, I used, to, I used to, like, fucking on road trips get so scared when you drive through these small towns that have, like, that one old church and shit. Because I'd always feel like, this is the place where they lynch people. It has to be. Because, like, what the fuck? Every video I've ever seen of, like, some fucked up shit happening in the South, there's always these small towns that look like these small towns I'm driving through. And I used to get mad nervous. I still get mad nervous. I'm not going to lie. If I go to Guelph, I feel mad uncomfortable in Guelph. I feel mad uncomfortable in small towns where the majority of the people are Caucasian. And I don't understand why that is. It just is. I don't think I've ever uh, had, like, an overt experience where I should feel uncomfortable. It's just, like, this feeling that just comes over you. I thought it was just me. It's good to know I'm not crazy. (laughs) Honestly, I think my, like, my, my fascination with hood movies and horror movies I'm just always ready to bang, bros. <laughs> so I'm going in there. I'm going in there hard as fuck. Like, yo, let something pop off, bro. Everybody's dying, bro. I'm not that. Yeah, <laughs> but yo, bro, like you can't. You can't even go. You can't. Are you gonna fight a whole town of niggas that pitch for yeah, shit? Yeah, bro. Like, let this be that. What? Evil shit, bro. Let this be that. Let this be the moment. Nah, nah man. See, let this be some like I am legend shit with motherfuckers <laughs> coming at me. He died. Oh. He died in the movie, bro. They killed his ass. <laughs> you, you can't win, man. There's too many That's of them, right, bro. bro. As, yo, as long as somebody takes the picture of me on top of the mountain with everybody coming up at me, <laughs> just let me go out like that. <laughs> but, but, yo, to your question, uh, Magic, uh, I used to talk to this girl. Her family was from uh, New Brunswick. And she was telling me, like, even out there, like, she, she being white had, like, this kind of like rose colored lens as far as racism went. She never, she didn't grow up around black people, so she didn't really think much of it until she went to visit her family in New Brunswick. And they were like shocked to see her Facebook to see that like she had like a black friend. And they're like, oh, you hang with darkies? And <laughs> that's what they call them out there, darkies. It's like, why? And they came to visit her here and they took them to, they took them to Wonderland and they're like, why are there so many darkies here? Wow. And uh, and like and that's that's what I, that's that like it it there's I feel like the racism in Canada it just stems from this plain ignorance there isn't the same history as in the South where like the racism is like ingrained in their DNA because their grandfather or great grandfather was a slave owner or like part of the KKK or whatever organization here is like it's just they don't know a black person or or, or Indian person or. Or anyone of color, so their their perception of black people is what they see on the news or in hip hop videos or whatever, and they typecast everyone black because they never met, they don't know any better. So for me, it's like it's racism, but it's more ignorance than it is like overt racism, like it is in the south. The south is like it's like they're just like fuck black people because you're black, and 
they have these fucked up like stereotypes that they feel like every black person fits into. Here, it's not even like that. It's just like I, I never met a black person, so you know, y'all niggas is lazy because I've been told y'all niggas is lazy. You know, I think that's why Black Lives Matter is important. Like because it was it was a degree where like we as black people or people of color we need to be humanized because it feels like in canada even if it's not overt racism it's it's apathy with respect to anything that happens with black people because we're not humanized you know what i mean Mm. like whenever i'm talking to people like i'm like or, or talking to people like in this time about what's going on i'll ask the question like yo if you saw a video on Instagram, let's say, of, like, a dog getting kicked in the face, what does that make you feel like? Like, you will feel rage instantly. It's not going to make you be like, yo, what did the dog do? Or what's the dog's criminal record? Why did the dog get kicked? You just feel the rage right away because it matters to you. And I think that's, that's what's important about the Black Lives Matter movement is that, like, we needed to be humanized, but then that's what's sad at the same time is that means we weren't. So... There's a point where a majority of people will rather, and this is not to say that animals aren't important, but where people would rather, well, people were, were, were more natural, it was more natural for people to feel rage over the health of an animal versus a black person. You know what's crazy too, to that, to that point, you know when like a dog bites someone, like a pit bull, and they're like, oh, it's not the dog's fault, the owner is fucked up, and yeah. you put the dog in the right environment, and that dog will flourish and all this shit, and they have every excuse to justify the dog's behavior, oh, it's been traumatized and this and that. But right. let a black person can like do something, even not even as remotely as violent as biting someone, and he they don't have the same excuses to justify. There's no oh, he, you know, he comes from a bad area and and, and the trauma from his life and how things that played out for him. They don't give us those excuses, but they'll do that for a dog though. Automatically, without even thinking, people will go they'll go to war for dogs. <laughs> I think to me, there's also like, because for me, the thing about this entire situation is it's it, it, it's always been so much more than like the, 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 the murders or like the deaths. It's like, bro, the reason those things happen is because of the buildup of how in every other way we're considered less than. Like, for instance, something that's going on right now that like blows my mind that this shit is like so insane mm-hmm. even though i've gone through it and i feel like like scott and jay you probably have gone through it too but like everything that's going on with like ctv and etoc and mm. uh Aika wong and her putting out like the statement and having to quit her job because they were like taking advantage of her in the craziest way and paying her like she was a fucking intern and then there's the fucking situation with uh with just uh, Maroney. And Jessica Jessica Mulroney. And you know what I mean? And having people, like, having to fucking... It get to a point where you see somebody like Tyrone T-Rex bawling on TV because he's like, yo, it's so fucked up and you don't know the half of it. Because, Mm. like, it's... Like, we're not talking about something that, like, is... I don't know, fucking, like... It's in a, a paper rule book and people are just abiding by that paper rule. It's, like, deep in their fucking blood. Like, yo, you were born into this. And you don't know how to feel another way. So you feel this way. And we're basically trying to convince your ancestors through you to change the way that you're fucking feeling. 
You know what I mean? Mm. You know, the, the thing that's funny, you mentioned about him crying on TV. I saw a video of this FedEx driver or UPS or yeah. whoever wears purple and black, the, the dude crying. And I read the comments, people were like, yo, why is this guy crying? And like, it, it's come to a point now where like, to Scotty's point about us being humanized, about people of color being humanized, and they don't, a, a black guy crying is looked at like, as like some like a sign of weakness. You know what I mean? But if, if a white guy cries, he, he's expressing his emotions. He's, we don't, we don't get the, we don't get the, the space to be emotionally fully developed human beings and shit. They look at us like we're just hard and we don't have the same experiences they do. We don't feel the same frustrations they do. We can't let it out emotionally. So they don't take it seriously. So I got like T-Rex crying on TV. I feel like that shit's super important because they need to see us as people. Like they need to see us as we have emotions. This shit hurts. And it's not just making us angry. We're not just rioting. Like we're, we're crying on TV. It hurts. And, and they need to understand. And I don't think enough of like the media or, or, or TV shows or shit like that show black men especially in that light. And I feel like him doing that it's important. That's super important. Those tears, that emotion, it, it's very rare to see. And that's what's going to help, I hope, change a lot of people's opinion of black people. Yeah, and that reminds me of this one this one lyric, which always sticks in my head every time like these instances of police brutality and police murder pop up. Um, it's an artist from the States named Open Mike Eagle. Yeah. And this is around the time, I think, of the of the Trayvon shooting. And he has this one line where he says, he talks about how these cops show up to, in like riot gear, they come fully militarized. But he's like, nobody respects our grief as black people. So the sense mm. that like, they can't fully feel their grief, feel their sadness and express that sadness because it's met with such resistance and such militarization. So I think that kind of speaks or touches upon your point where it's like, it's so deeply ingrained that people aren't, or black people specifically aren't seen as being you know, fully human. And I think it goes back to like centuries past when people will say they're three fifths of a man. You know, these are like historical things that are like subconsciously implanted in people. I always wonder how they got that equation. Like, how did, <laughs> they, that? How did, how did they measure that? Like, yeah, yeah you know what? That, that was a protractor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, this guy is about like, like five eighths of a, a person. But how do you decide? <laughs> how do you decide for that shit? Uh, did, did, did you guys see the thing with uh, sh- like Sherry Ford and uh, Kayla Gray? Nah. Yeah. What's that? So uh, Sherry Ford is somebody who I believe works in like Sportsnet or TSN, and she she is married to an uh, like uh, African American, African Canadian, and um, and she was sharing her story about like the the trials and tribulations of of dating a black man and she had talked about her racist father and this and that and within the story they had used the n-word and and she justified it by being like my husband proofread it right and he's allowing (laughs) me to do it and it it, it, it's for the sake of people realizing how harsh the story is right Mm -hmm. somebody who who is her who is either like Within the within the media of sports, right? I I I don't want to get the wrong thing, but she's either in sports than her TSN, and she's like a colleague w- within one of them, right? And mm. she had said, and she she is an African American woman, African Canadian woman, and she had said, I don't feel right reading this, 
right? Yeah, okay, cool to you. Props to you for sharing your story, but I don't want to see the N-word being put into the story the way it is, right? Mm-hmm. And and ultimately, somebody else, this dude, Tim McClure, who is a white male, had said, yo, you're overreacting. Oh. So pretty much telling oh, a black woman how she should feel about racism. Wait, so this happened? And is no, it bro, like literally a couple days I ago. To, I need to... I need to read up on that. Honestly, it blew my mind when I read this shit, right? And it was all these people being like, oh, well, so-and-so persons of color, like, and he had tagged brown people, black people, who who had pretty much uplifted this woman for sharing this story. But then when, when a black woman had felt a certain way about the language within the story that she did not feel comfortable with as a black woman, now all of a sudden they attacked her for feeling that way. But it's like, how, how, how can you police the way a person feels? Well, that's the thing with this whole dynamic is that a lot of people in power will always try to minimize the experience you're having because they're, they're filtering it through their lens. And through their lens, it's like, okay, for instance, a lot of people be like, Yo, racism can't exist. We have a black president. Or we had a black president. And they're like, they, 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 they're, they're not experiencing the racism. So they'll talk to you and they'll talk down to you and tell you like, yo, that's not real. And I'm like, well, you, you don't know my experiences. That's hard. You know what I mean? So like, so like crazy, like especially within sports in Canada, because like mm. for a while I've been seeing a lot of like women in sports casting now. But for a while it was just a lot of white men. And to to backtrack to a little bit a couple months ago with the Don Cherry shit, like Don Cherry is not on an island by himself as like this this disgruntled white dude that says a lot of fucked up shit. Like they're all like that. They all like those guys. Anybody over the age of fifty, I feel like I'm not gonna say they all like that, but I've heard things about Don Cherry for years and then not just Don Cherry's like that. And for anyone who doesn't know the Don Cherry shit that him about you people and all that shit, that 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 to me, I wasn't surprised when I heard that shit at all. But like the 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 amount of people that I respected and I was cool with that were trying to defend that shit, it made me look at people that like I thought were my friends a lot differently. Cause how can you be friends with black people or people of color and not understand what the fuck that guy was actually saying? You know what I mean? And the same thing with this dude. How can you look at that and not understand what he's doing? I feel like it's willful ignorance. Yeah, Canadian media has really showed its ass with how unequipped it is to talk about race. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it's like National Post or one of those one of the big papers, like Rex Murphy put out an article like a week ago where he's like, there is no racism in Canada. And he's like an old white guy in his 60s. It's like, dude. <laughs> that's that's the culprits, bro. Yeah. Like, who okayed this story? Trudeau. Justin Trudeau's like saying anti-black like in public. Like, I felt like he was scared to say anti-black. Like, yeah. Because he, like, he, he's a politician. He has to pander to all bunch of people. So he has to really pick his words carefully. Yeah, but like, say it with your chest, though, bro. Like, because he's yeah. like... Yeah, but he, he's he's not his dad though. He's not his dad. He's like, not gonna say it with his chest. He's gonna in, he's gonna pander to everybody. Office, mm. Um, CTV. If you guys haven't watched like the CTV uh, special that came out yesterday, um, <laughs> they had Jagmeet Singh on, and Jagmeet dragged the shit out of Cheeto. I was like, <laughs> 
<laughs> bro, I love that guy, bro. <laughs> he does not play. He's coming for Trudeau's neck every time, bro. Yeah, because as politicians, it's like there's only so much you can really believe. Like Trudeau was doing a speech a couple of weeks ago, and he he was talking about anti-blackness. And in the back of my head, I like I'm just like, dude, blackface. you wore you wore blackface. <laughs> you wore blackface. <laughs> yeah. I was like just last year that this book, and now you're like, yes, anti-blackness is wrong. Like, dude, like you gotta got whisper this, it, got this, Like we put him on the Summer Jam screen. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, yo, so, so this kind of this kind of transitions actually smoothly into another topic, right? We have a we have a lot of white people explaining how people should feel about racism, right? So, like, just just saying that feels fucked up, right? Like, but. Okay, let's say this, right? Even for us as people of color, we we can we haven't lived a fucking day as a black person. So we we cannot fully fully understand the plight of being a black person in today's society, right? So even okay, let's say even for white people but for even for other minorities such as us, such as Asians, such as uh Latinos and everything else. How can we be allies without overstepping and trying to kind of police the situation? Because, yeah, it's important to add your opinion, but ultimately we have to listen more than we do the talking. So how can, how, educate us. What can we do? We kind of touched on it initially. Less talking and more listening is the first step. Mm. A A lot of people... They feel like they're an ally because they know in their heart they're not racist and, and, and for all inclusive purposes they probably aren't. Mm. But that they, they that that is in, this, in a way almost entitlement because they they're speaking on behalf of a plight that they don't quite under they never experienced. So giving whatever platform that you may have to people that need that platform so they can speak on their experiences so people can hear them. That's an important way to be an ally. I feel like, for instance, like this this podcast right here is an important tool as an ally because you're giving us a voice to speak on our experiences to your audience, your demographic that might not have heard stories like this or understand experiences like ours. And this is this is things like this help people like us get our voices out there. So that's a way to do it. That's the first way. I know y'all have some other inputs. Trey? I feel like one of the big, to me, I guess like the first thing is fucking acknowledging it. And then once you acknowledge it, even if you don't in your heart believe it, just like start looking at everything as like, maybe it might fucking exist. You know what I mean? Like, because it puts you into a mind state where, okay, now you're open to the conversation, right? Then once you're open to the conversation, I feel like Jay's right. It does have a lot to do with, like, a lot of listening before you talk at fucking all. <laughs> like, <laughs> listen. You know what I mean? And then once you're done listening, take it back, soak it in, ask things, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like being in school. You don't just fucking hear the teacher speak once and be like, I got it, I'm going to answer this question. Like, analyze that shit, bro. Like, what the fuck? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like the same as the stupid kid in class that always gets the question wrong. Like, if you're not listening properly, you're not going to get what the fuck is going on. Yeah, slow the fuck down and process this shit. Yeah. Like, 
Cause like, yo, I'm still learning. I'm I'm black, and I've been living as a black man my whole life. But I'm still learning shit, and so I don't feel like an expert enough that I'm the voice of my people. So people who aren't in my, they don't look like me. You shouldn't be speaking on shit like this unless you're speaking to give the platform to someone that has the experience and has the knowledge to spit on it, like. That's my thing. I see a lot of people talking and shit, and I'm just like, where the fuck was energy? Where was his energy? Like, like when, where was that energy when, with Eric Gardner and, and, and Michael Brown? And like, why now are you deciding to speak up? And where are you getting all this knowledge from? Well, you that's know? one of the, the big issues with like social, the social media age that we live in, and like the 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 hashtag fucking uh, uh, activists is like, if it's hype right now. They'll give everything to it, but in this superficial way where it's like, yo, I read this header that was super dope. I'm going to repost that mm. and I'm fucking tell my friends about the what the fucking header that has no substance to it. And the the word spreads so quickly and everybody thinks they're, they're doing good because it's like the thing that you posted, you see your friend post and you see it start trending or whatever. And you're like, yeah, I posted that. I was one of the early people that posted that. But like, you're not doing shit. And Nothing. Still, like wealth of and, understanding that you're getting from it you're still turning around and like clutching your purse when you see a fucking black person when you're in the elevator or whatever the case may be like it's so so much of it is so fake yeah yeah and the, you know that's, what's that's, crazy that's, that that trend of people you seen you seen youtube videos or sorry uh ig videos of like white kids exposing their parents and shit that's like the new trend yeah, i read that shit <laughs> i read it i read it yo, yo. is it is it is it is are the are they doing it for the right reasons? You know what I'm yeah. saying? Is yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Is it a social media clout thing, or is it yeah, yeah. really because they feel strongly about this and they want Yo, to expose people for the right reasons? That's, that's my thing. That's 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 my biggest issue with right now is like we conscious of who's really supporting to support and who's really supporting a because it's trendy or b because they feel guilty and I don't want either. Mm. Or 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 they feel like if I don't say something. I'm gonna be viewed a certain way. So yeah, I, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. That, That's kind of why I, I I was like hesitant to put shit out. Like, yo, if you're quiet, you're not with us because I want people to get to that realization on their own. Yeah. And like, I can use myself as an example. Like, in in years past, like let's say the last five years, like that's the start of the Me Too movement and that sort of thing. And growing up as a as a male. So if you want to if you want to call that the dominant gender, growing up as a male, I never really understood the plight a female has to go through. And my eyes were open to it. And I found the best way for me to really get to know it and understand it was to shut up and just listen and then wait till I fully understood it before I was vocal about it. So, like, I feel like that's the best way for us as people of color to let people of, of non-color join the movement or us to support each other is legit like just listen and don't say anything until you get it for real oh another point sorry as soon as you you get you you bring yourself into the conversation without fully understanding it you add to the clutter and Mm. add to the trend and when this is not trending anymore in two months, who's still going to be posting? That's the point I wanted to make is when this is not cool anymore. 
Mm. Are you going to keep that same energy when this isn't on the front page news? When the next big thing happens in the news cycle, are you still going to be out here marching with us, protesting with us, sharing in your stories? That's that's another thing. That's that's the big thing, in my opinion. Is like after this wave of uh, protest and 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 people just being vocal about their displeasure with what's going on. I want to know six months from now, are you still going to be posting this shit in your story? It's are you still going to be donating to these causes? Are you still going to be out here vandalizing shit, spray painting Black Lives Matter? Are you still going to be wearing the shirts? Are you still going to be an ally? Like, because if yeah. you're not, then, like, fuck off. Like, I, I don't want the fake shit. I, I don't, I, we, we don't need the fake, we don't need fake love. Like, we need real love. And, like, that's, mm. that's important. The visibility is good. The posting is good. The fact that everybody's on it is good. But, like, if it's something you actually care about, you don't just not care about things because other people don't care about things. That's the definition of what a trend is. Mm. So, as soon, right. as, as soon as it's not trendy anymore, it's going to be interesting to see who's still on that wave. And here's, here's, here's my big thing, is that I feel like something that, as Black people, I hope that we all take from this experience is that, like, there's an energy that I feel within a lot of like the society right now that I haven't felt in my lifetime, right? I don't know if it's if it was the same for our ancestors, but I know for me, like I feel it and I'm not letting it go. So but why is me, that like, though? I, I, huh? Why why is this the, why is why was George Floyd's murder the trigger when this has happened so many times before? Why this particular thing? That's why I'm curious about. Why do you think that I feel is? Like, I feel like it's just, like, the mix of where we're at and the fact that, like, yo, because we're going through a pandemic, there are a lot of people who, like, yo, you don't have the, like, you don't have to go to work. Your mind isn't cluttered with a lot of other things. You have the ability to focus just a little bit better than you did before, and it's hitting you more. You're seeing this shit, and it's like, oh, fuck, like, I have the time to really take in what actually I just saw. You know what I mean? Mm. But, and also because, like, yeah, again, we're in the social media age, and, and yeah, like Trey's saying, there's nothing you really have to do but sit there and watch it and take it in. And it's eight minutes and 46 seconds. And, like, this is the one video where, like, separate from, like, the Eric Garner video or the Lando Castillo video, there's not, like, a break in the whole thing where you can add in your own opinion of why it happened you know yeah. what i mean like this one is clear cut there's no way you can argue this one like so so any anybody who was willing to argue for the side yeah, 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 yeah. you're you racist you crazy you have so, to be crazy. there's no that's way they're but that's what they're doing because they know no one no one I've, I've i've watched fox news just because i want to know what they're saying and yeah. not one person is trying to justify what the cop did in the sense that like they're not fighting for that. They're trying to they're trying to diminish this dude's character. So right. I've heard reports about this guy who has domestic assault charges. He has drug charges. He was doing meth before. He he he's had issues with the cops and all this shit. Trying to justify it like he deserved it. You know right. what I mean? So like that's the argument. It's it's not people being like. You know, I like I can't even argue with it. It's, 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 it's scary because like that's I think Will Smith is the one that's that said it. He's like, this is not new. Like it's just yeah, it's just it's being filmed. Pretty, 
being filmed like and yeah. that's 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 really what when i'm going to sleep at night that's really what makes me not be able to sleep or that's really what hits my heart is that like if this wasn't on video they could have written would have happened they could have written that report up however to make it they did though they I, did I i've seen that, that happened. notes yeah. Yeah. yeah same thing happened with brianna taylor like yo these motherfuckers ran up and shot her up swiss cheese there and the report was like like blank <laughs> you know what I mean? And 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 the same thing happened to uh Ahmad Aubrey. They yeah. ran up on this dude. There's video of it. Sorry, it happened and there was there was there was no they didn't pursue it legally. There was no arrest, no nothing until the video came out. So when that video never came out, you know what I mean? If if that video never came out, those dudes would still be chilling. My my uncle, my uncle, my uncle before I was born, my 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 dad's youngest brother was schizophrenic, had a confrontation with Toronto police, and died in police custody. Wow. To this day, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. I just know he died in police custody. <clears throat> there were no cell phones. There was no cell, like, social media at that time. There was nothing. So, like, and that, how long, how long ago was that? I'm 31 now. Mm. That's, that's still happening. Look at Sandra Blanche. He died in police custody. Yeah. You know what I mean? And and like what happened with that? Nothing. It's fucked up. You know, the statement you know, that you know I what? wanted to make is like I feel like what we're talking about and the one thing that I like the separation that I want us to make as black people is the whole idea of like there's some people who are upset about like celebrities who aren't speaking out or business or corporations who aren't donating money or whatever the case may be. I want us to be able to not go back to a space where it's like we're playing this game to somebody else's standard. It's like, ah, uh, when I walk into this L, but nah, dude, where we're at right now, I feel like needs to be somewhere where it's like, yo, you look back at your people and you're able to be like, yo, we need to be able to make sure that like the way that you feel, like you're not going to be allowed to not feel uncomfortable in any situation or feel like you're warranted in feeling the way that you feel without complete proof. You know what I mean? Like it has to be at a place where it's like, yo, like everything that's happening right now, like all of the fucking donations that are going into the, the fucking black community and the bail funds or whatever the case may be, let's use that to our advantage to, if this does end up being a trend, we have the resources to make sure that like, you thought it was a trend, but it's still in your fucking face. But we, 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 we yeah. leveraged this shit. It's we still took, in your fucking we... face. <clears throat> you know Do what? You feel it's, like... it, it's, it's very important what you guys talked about. Like, yo, we live in a world where fucking everybody follows trends, right? This just happens to be a more politicized trend than what we're used to. Usually it's some dumbass shit, right? Now it's actually something that's fucking important. But within that, you get you get these people who are just doing it because it is the fucking thing to talk about nowadays, right? But I feel like the ultimate thing that you need to do when you come from a place of privilege is speak out when you see it fucking happen. Right. We have this we have this whole we have this whole Karen thing, right? So when you see that and you are are somebody who are is not black. It it, it 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 is don't just fucking black out your instagram when that shit happens in front of you 
fucking fight it. Be there to support the person who is being oppressed, right? Like I had a I had a recent uh, encounter when uh, like during this whole quarantine times, right? Fucking, I went to Sunny's. Fucking, everybody loves going to Sunny's, right? And mm-hmm. and I I don't mean to throw that establishment under the bus, but like the fucking I don't know if he's the manager or the owner. A uh, fucking uh, it was an African Uber uh, Uber Eats guy was in there and like yo not the greatest English but he was just like kind of confused with the order and the guy's like just take it and go like fuck off like blah 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 and he's like yelling at them man right mm-hmm. and then whatever he backs up I'm like I'm standing there I'm like what the fuck is going on so the guy back goes to the back the guy just he didn't even notice that he's being talked talked to disrespectfully mm-hmm. he just like smiled and just went along on his way right. But mm-hmm. then when the guy came back out, he goes, oh, ladies and gentlemen, I apologize for speaking out. And I go, no, bro, that's fucked up. Like, Doug, it doesn't matter if he cannot understand you right away. That guy's putting money in your pockets. He's doing a service. Mm-hmm. You do not treat anybody like that. I don't know. That's the way I was raised. You fucking treat the janitor like you treat the CEO. Right? So- like, Doug, that's the, that's the way I was raised. So when I saw that, I'm not fucking saying I'm a fucking saint, but Doug, we have to do our bits or else this shit is fucking that guy. Maybe next time won't do that because I said something because somebody, a third party said something. Facts. If you have and the that's ability very to speak important. Up, speak up. Yes. If you have the, if you have the ability to speak, speak. And like, I find the, the, the dopest shit I see is when, when, when racist people say shit, like we don't want you here. Meaning, like, they're speaking for a larger group of people. But someone from that group of people says, nah, fuck that. That's not true. That The look on those people's faces when that shit happens is like, oh, well, what the fuck? Well, are you supposed to be with me? Like, nah, we don't, I, don't, I don't stand with you. That's the type of energy that we need to push this through. My question to y'all is, do you feel like in order for this to change completely, for black people to get some progress in this movement... Do you feel like we need white people to do this? I feel like we do. Not it doesn't have to be an overwhelming amount, but it does have to be something that they feel like they don't overrule us in. You know what I mean? Like it can't be something that it's like, for instance, the way we're talking about right now, where it's like they don't have to speak up because like of whatever. You know what I mean? Where if you go into a job, the the CEO still feels like, yo, I'm the fucking CEO and I say no niggas allowed up here or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it has to be to a point where people have to react like Nike's reacting, where they turn Juneteenth into a national holiday. You know what I mean? Like it has to be something that like is visible to that extent. Fuck Nike, by the way. <laughs> Why say fuck Nike? Because they what? They donated like 30 million over like five years. They made, I think, like, what, like 50 billion last year or some shit? And they're donating 30 million over a span of four years. Bro, that, I mean, that's cool. That's cute. But, like, y'all niggas, y'all niggas make most of your money probably from black people. So, like, and, and, and the spokespeople for Nike are mostly black people. The biggest selling athletes on Nike are black people. Y'all need to step up a little bit more than 30 million over a span of five years. That's not even real. To me, that's I mean, not real money. So them, that's not real money. That's like me throwing five dollars at the George Floyd shit and being like, "Bro, I did my part." So Virgil on it. Exactly. It's, it's literally it's just me showing face. 
nothing else. And like big old statement and shit, that's cool. That's great. You know, I like to know that you are here supporting, but like, fuck your words. Fuck words. We've been, we've been saying words for fucking over 100 years now. People have been saying shit and nothing has changed. Start doing real shit. Throw a couple billy at that. Show you that you're serious. That's, that that's the... To me, to me, again, I don't feel like it's a money thing. Like, that's why I brought up the Juneteenth thing. It's it like, was a money things thing. Things like that, where it's like, yo, Nike is like one of the first companies, as big as they are, to acknowledge Juneteenth, a black holiday, as a national holiday, and being like, yo, every, all y'all get it off. Like, that's the type of statements that we need to, to bring value to the things that... that but they're doing, they're doing it now for the first time. I feel like that's reactionary. You know, they're not, sure. it doesn't Definitely. seem, it doesn't seem genuine. It, it doesn't seem genuine when you're doing something because you are reacting to something else. If they were really real, then like, yo, start taking shit, start doing shit before it's trendy. Now, now that, now that you are aware, okay, you did that. That's cool. What's the next thing you're going to do? And continually doing that, that's, that's how you show me you're not just, you're not just doing it because the, 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 the tide of change is coming and you don't want to get left behind. But do I it because you. Me, to me, I feel like that's where I might have a difference of opinion. I don't know, but like I might have a difference of opinion in the fact that like I feel like there's this like weird conversation that that happened that's been happening in uh, a, a certain collective of Black people in Toronto, where it's like they will at the beginning of their sentence be like, "We need your support," and then halfway through the sentence will be like, "But not like that." You know what I mean? And to yeah. me, it's like, it, to me it, it has to be like, no, we need your support. But then we, as long as this fight has been and as exhausting as it is, we still need to be the people who guide it and continue to put the pressure on. So, like, with these situations, it's like, bro, I'm waking up every day and being like, yo, what have you done today? You know what I mean? Like, it mm. has to be like that because we know that because of the way that history is, Chances are there is there's like there is a huge chance that everybody might forget tomorrow. But like if we don't feel like it's important enough that they can't forget, or if we don't feel like it's worth our lives to make sure that they that they don't forget, then like it's just gonna continue. Like I was having this argument with this like radical fucking white guy who definitely just wanted to see the world burn. When you say radical, do you mean like he's like dope? He's a like don't no. or like radical, he's a, like radical. Crazy. he's a rad dude <laughs> <laughs> but like he's like he's like he's uh because of the rallies that happened or the protests that happened yesterday he's like i don't understand why you why you guys are protesting that's not gonna do shit like you gotta fucking protest like the states and burn something down or nobody's gonna listen and i'm like but, but yo listen <laughs> We're not going through the same things, blah, blah, blah. And there's a process, and it will get to that point if we continue to do this. And he's like, no, nah, you need to do it now. And, like, you know how quickly things will change if this and this happens. And Yo, white people love the burn shit, though. That's their yeah. thing. That's <laughs> but the burning crosses. Vancouver. Bro. Yo, <laughs> shout out. Sh- yeah, Vancouver. <laughs> Look at that. They didn't say a <laughs> word about those motherfuckers burning nope. their city down. Nope. Yeah. They, 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 they lost the Stanley Cup final, which, in, in all fairness, they should have lost. And it, <laughs> they burned their city down. And no one said fuck shit. 
No one's like, mm-hmm. no one's like, oh, hooligans and, and thugs. They're like, oh, they lost their sports game, and then that happens. This is part but, of sports. But that, that, that's the thing. It's somebody who looks like their fucking son, right? So they're oh. they don't give a fuck. They why are they gonna criticize a young white person? You so know, it's like it's it's. I don't know, man. It's it's fucking. Bro, the the the, about, the, bro. the juxtaposition between the way white people that don't side with the Black Lives Matter movement and all the shit going on will do fucking vocal gymnastics to justify white people's shit. Like, for instance, I remember this girl's name is the girl from Fox News that told LeBron to shut up and dribble when he was all yeah. for the Laura Ingram. The Ferguson. Laura Ingram, Laura Ingram yeah. right? So. Little backstory for people who are listening that might not know. LeBron went on record saying he supports Black Lives Matter and he was all shit that was happening in Ferguson at the time and um, Michael Brown and all that shit. And he was saying this is fucked up and all that shit. And she went on record on Fox News and saying, Yo, you're an athlete. We didn't elect you to politics. You didn't go to school for this shit. Shut the fuck up and dribble the basketball. She literally said, Shut up and dribble. That was the punchline. Drew Brees comes out. Three, four years after Kaepernick was doing the taking the knee stance in the NFL, and he made a very fucking, very, very tone deaf statement about uh, how he won't ever agree with people taking a knee could disrespect the military and the flag. When it's been said a million times that this is not the, what we're targeting, like it has nothing to do with the military, it has nothing to do with the flag. So athletes got at him, and he and and, and people that respected him got at him, and. He backtracked and he apologized. Same chick, Laura Ingram went on and said, "Well, he's allowed to have his opinion. He's mm-hmm. he's he's a he's an American citizen. He deserves to have a voice. So when it's a white athlete, he has to have an opinion. When it's a black athlete, shut up and do what we pay you to do. So that's to do that's the juxtaposition and like the same shit with the riots. When white people riot for no fucking reason, this is what we do when things happen. But when black people riot for a fucking purpose, they're thugs." They're, they're, they're fucking asshole, gangsters, whatever. Bring the military in. We're going to shoot them up. And that's 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 the... That conversation, that type of dialogue is the problem. Like We need to get to a point where like you can start seeing what we're doing and giving us the same respect that you give your white counterparts. Definitely. It just just around that, I was actually reading, reading an article. So there's a documentary that came out a few years ago uh, called It Takes a Riot which was focused on the, the Young Street Uprising in Toronto in 1992. Um, and it made it looks at the distinction between a riot versus an uprising. So they talk about how important language is. So they say they define a riot as violence emanating from an immature or unruly mob where people condemn protesters without condemning the conditions that led to that protest. Whereas an uprising is disrupting and creating and bringing to the forefront an issue and doing it in a way that calls attention. So like people don't, people are like... They'll, they'll focus on the looting or whatever, but they don't want to focus on the fact that there's a reason why people are so fed up that they got to this point in the first place. Facts. I mean, like, yo, like I was saying, we took a knee and they called us black bastards, ungrateful, un-American. So if you're, if you're literally doing nothing but sitting on your leg and that's peaceful as it gets and they, 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 they won't have you at the table to even talk about it. You're going to burn shit after that. Because it's like, yo, you don't want to listen to me and I'm being cool? Yeah, now I'm going to burn shit. I'm forcing you to pay attention. Talk to me now. Now that I'm, now that I'm damaging property, now that I'm, I'm burning down your, your beloved statues, tearing them down and shit, 
now you're going to talk to me. Now you're going to listen to me. So people who argue that these riots aren't working or these uprisings aren't working, they're working. They're getting the attention. And I feel like Toronto, Toronto doesn't need that because I feel like we can get to the table without doing that. But if it doesn't happen, then yeah, fuck it. Just go to Nordstrom and burn some shit. <laughs> yeah, just just you mentioning statues. That actually, I just I I just saw this fucking video uh, on the weekend about uh, all these brown people uh, guarding a Mahatma Gandhi statue. Oh yeah, tear that shit and, down. Oh my fucking god, tear that motherfucker down the every single day of the thing week. Is that a lot of people don't know the history or. Mm-hmm. Well, Bro, there's one of those in Ghana, no? There's a there's a fucking Mahatma Gandhi yeah, statue yeah, in, in yeah. one of the Ghana universities or some shit yeah, like that. Yeah, and it's like, yo, this is a man who 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 fucking colorism, racism, whatever the fuck you want to call it. He 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 fucking you know preach that, and on top of that, the motherfucker's a pedophile. So yeah, you know, yeah. like yeah, yeah, and like it's it's fucked up, man. Because like again, this is a guy who inspired Martin Luther King and shit. But yeah. flawed as fuck. I, I I agree. Like it sucks. It really sucks because yo heroes aren't perfect. You yeah, know what I mean? for sure. But yo, they, okay, they... <laughs> let's go. Um, I so one obviously we we are we are all we are all in the music industry, and you stay out late as we known over the last couple of years has been a staple within the underground hip-hop scene within within underground and mainstream hip-hop scene within toronto and you guys have you guys have have made big steps from being a brampton act to a toronto act to a, a, a global act and putting on shows for the city that we we have not seen this type of energy and the diversity that comes through your shows but i kind of we kind of want to get into the, the hardships of doing this shit because with, with with everything that's going on now at least for me i've seen on twitter like you know uh, the dj's talking about not being able to play certain things at certain venues and and for you guys who 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 put on so many shows within the city can you guys kind of talk about some of the experiences you've had and some of the pushbacks you've kind of had just trying to orchestrate uh, you know the the these events that we want to see within our city. So, so coded racism is a very real thing when the, with the booking shows and venues, especially with venues. Um, the first thing they ask you is what genre is it, and you mm-hmm. can always you always feel apprehensive to be fully transparent. Be like it's hip hop because you know I've had experiences where they're like, oh, we don't do hip hop. And I was in my mind. I'm like, what the fuck? Why wouldn't you? This is the biggest genre in the world right now. Why wouldn't you be doing hip hop? And there's a few venues. I don't know if I want to air anyone out right now, but there was a time, and Tremaine probably remembers this, where there was this venue, uh, Swadina, with a Russian owner, and he we were supposed to do an event there, and that venue got canceled because he had another show with some with a black female artist and she was trying to put together a showcase and he made a statement like oh we don't do hip-hop because they smoke all the they smoke all the marijuana and they cause a ruckus and they did the music is violent and all this shit and but then he did a he did like a punk rock show where 
the music was violent, they were smoking marijuana, and they were doing all the same shit that he was had a problem with. We've had issues with venues over similar shit. It's never overt, like, yo, we don't, we're not going to do that because of this, this, and this. It's a lot of, like, they, they make you jump through hula hoops to get to the truth of the issue. But it's a real thing trying to book venues to do hip-hop out here. It's definitely not like New York where they, like, hip-hop police will cancel your shit. They won't put, they won't book you, they won't even talk to you. But, like, in Toronto, there's very little space for hip-hop to do things that will help it flourish and, and, and grow. And it's crazy because Drake's the biggest hip-hop artist in the world. The Weeknd, Party Next Door, Tory Lanez, Justin Bieber, all, like, top, like, 50s highest charting artists and they all make hip hop or uh, a branch of hip hop music. You would think if you're a business person, you would want to endorse this. It's good money. They don't give a shit. That what you said right there is the big issue is that we don't take into consideration that like all of these spots that we're having issue booking are fucking punk rock, fucking techno music lovers who opened a venue to support their type of music, right? And when that exists, they only want to see their type of music flourish. And they would rather fucking close the venue than support something else. That's what they feel. Granted, you know, the crazy thing are, is, tech, techno is black music too, so like... Yeah. Some of the best voices in dance music are black women. Mm-hmm. Let's not get it confused. But the DJs who DJ them usually, especially over here, super white. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I think like the thing about it is like, like for me and my experiences, I can say that like I booked it really early, and I've always had the white buffer. <laughs> <laughs> so I've never really like in a situation where I'm trying to like have that conversation on myself. There's always that white person who can ease everything out do i but i love not to have to do that yes the thing that i feel like has been crazy uh, as of recent is because of vice doing their little fucking stupid like documentary on chicago and atlanta and then toronto hood rap and because of drake co-signing every fucking hood rapper that ever existed in toronto there's this like space that like has amplified the idea that if you have a hip hop show, it's going to get shot up. It's going to bring drug dealers and terrible people to your establishment. And it's given them like a, a, a leg to stand on, which I fucking hate, especially because like the music that we do stay out late. And a lot of people who are associated with stay out late are not in that vein. And if anything are a lot more focused on like progression you know what i mean so like it's that's something that i find tough especially where we are right now because we are at a place where we want to pivot to be able to perform at a place like mod club phoenix concert hall fucking even as soon as we can develop a plan like rebels and fucking shit like that where like the capacity is at a greater level where we can actually fully monetize as like a group our abilities 
I, I, I think it's crazy that it's, it's, it's up until now, like, or up until COVID happened, it was still kind of an accepted thing for venues to be like, we don't do hip hop. Yeah. Because yeah. it's it's legit a, a code word for we don't do black. Like it's it's just interesting mm. because like and that's accepted. You know mm. what I mean? We don't do hip hop shows and they have to ask you that question before you book a space. It's like what type of music is it? So I'm I'm curious to see this is this is more of a of a, of a like of a question. I'm curious to see like what it's gonna be like when COVID is done. Like, is that still gonna be a thing? Because I like for us ALA, we 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 host events, we we do shows, we do parties, and we do all the things we do. And people don't people don't fight at our events. People don't shoot up our events. People don't do any of that stuff at our events. So why, when we go to book something, should we feel like we have to not be a hundred percent transparent mm-hmm. about the genre of music? You know. I and think then a lot I, of people... I, I wonder if we if we went to book a venue like could we say let's say we decided to do like a, a jungle house edition would they find another way to not allow us to do that at certain venues? Well, yeah, I can't. You can't even use the excuse of yo motherfuckers gonna be smoking weed in here. Like, bro, what the fuck goes on at a house it's jam, legal. dog? The it's amount of Molly's no, I popped at a house fucking, jam, like, it's legal though. That's the thing, like, yo, yeah. niggas smoking weed, niggas are drinking alcohol anyway. What the fuck difference is it? We're all getting. Fucked I know, up, but that, but that's what I'm saying. It's like, yo, at a rave, motherfuckers are popping God knows what. Like, yo, I, I've been there. Like, you know, it's yeah, it's fucked yeah, up, yeah. right? But yeah. ale- allegedly, allegedly. But that's, uh, <laughs> that's not legal. And kids, and, kids, and kids are ODing. ODing. Like, yo, the repercussions are, are way greater. Yeah, kids are ODing and they're dying, bro. Thanks. Yeah, so that, that excuse is old, man. But, like, uh, like what I'm just going to start lying to venues and telling them, yo, I'm doing country music. <laughs> and then pull, pulling up with the most gangster <laughs> rap shit ever. We got to do a case study for sure, bro, and just see what happens. The craziest shit, I, the thing I like, I, like, I like about this shit is that everybody's being held accountable. So people are getting called out left, right, and center. What needs to keep happening is these venues and shit, if, <laughs> people need to start posting screen caps and be like, this is what this nigga said. And right. just start bleeding these niggas dry because the only way it's going to change and the culture's going to change is when we expose it for what right. it is. And people see like, yo... Fuck this venue because this is how they move, and no one do business with them. And if you do business and, with them, we're putting you on a blacklist too. And, and, and look and how then, much. And then you start controlling the, the narrative. You start controlling the energy. That's how, what needs to start happening. Very like, look how much we bury. Look how many communications and correspondences we just bury because it is what it is. And mm. then we just keep it moving, and then try to find another venue. But like, it's it's that it's, it's that bad. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired of. I'm tired of like working or working to build with a venue and have them like X out something that we put hours into because they 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 are doing prejudices and shit. But yeah. they don't get to they don't get to suffer for that. Like we feel it because we're the ones doing the groundwork. But they just like, eh, whatever. I just book it rave shit and not feel it. They need yeah. to feel it. I think one of the big issues that that's going to persist. And why I strongly feel like it's not going to change even when shit picks back up is that, like, in the States, for instance, Republic taking Urban, urban out of, like, their, their definition of their genres. I don't think that's going to happen in Toronto. We've, it's funny, or in Canada, like, we've actually 
gone as far as calling out all of the presidents and CEOs of Universal and shit. No response yet, right? Mm. Then you look at the venues. All the venues are white owners and venues are private ownership. They don't have to do shit. And the music industry, as we know it, as artists, it's not like exclusive to hip hop that even in rock, even in dance, everybody is hurting for venues. So it like the fight is just like, that's a whole other fight that like, if there's a way that we can find a way to band together, which we haven't yet in regard to like hip hop and rock and everybody being able to have like this common ground where we feel like it's worth fighting together as artists or as uh, promoters or whatever. If we can't find a way to figure that out and put actual pressure, it's not going to change because these motherfuckers don't give a fuck. They know that they have such an upper hand that we need them. That's what I'm saying. Like, if we can start like holding them accountable and, and hurting their bottom line, then they're going to have to approach things differently, or they're going to die. And that's yeah. that's that's what we need to do collectively. Because it doesn't work if if it doesn't work if hip hop guys are like, fuck it, we're going to call these people out. But then EDM guys are going to be like, we're still going to work with them. You know what I mean? Everyone needs to be on the same page as a community of creators and musicians to be like, if you're not down with this, we don't fuck with you across the board. And I mean, then will people start to feel it and be like, okay, hey, I can't be selective with it because it, it doesn't work like that anymore. For real. I, and I can't just make my... my, my mm. That's the super tough part. Because even when I look at, like, not to call anybody out, but, like, the individuals that I know who are people of color who work in labels who, like, yo, <laughs> like... You might lose your job that, like, in all honesty, we know is it's it's been tough. Like, I've seen I, or I know a lot of people who have been in the industry for going on 10 years fucking writing blogs or fucking doing this, that, and a third that, like, pays them fucking peanuts. And then finally being acknowledged by a major label and that major label being like, here's your salary and your benefits. Enjoy and you being at a point right now where, where we're kind of like, bro, you might have to give that up for the cause. <laughs> it's fucking crazy, you know what I mean? Because yeah. it's, it's such a hard fight. But, like, I'm seeing these people still silent right now because it's like, I can't talk out on the people who are fucking getting me paid during COVID or blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, bro, like, you fought so hard to get to a point and they gave you that position to silence you. Speak the fuck up, dog. This is this is like that moment where it's like, ah, right, yo, you have their attention and they're trying to pay you out, but you'll get ten times more if you just fight a little bit longer. But and do you know that? Do you know that for sure? Because like, yo, this whole <clears throat> thing in a few months could just be this, the thing that just happened, and now we're on to the next thing. And those guys who stood up are now without a job, and we aren't behind mobilizing like we were. But that's these what guys I'm saying, the, the, right? It's like, for instance, mm. like with the CTV situation. That's why I respect it so much, is because like, what, like, it forced a lot of people to do things to counter what's going on because they were like completely open. They were like, "Oh my god!" Like, we didn't even realize that we were racist, and now we're gonna do everything mm. we can to change that. Especially doing this like big highlight feature where we're giving everybody a voice and the people that are most important a voice 
and then having people like trail behind Etah Cafe trail behind and be like, yeah, I guess we got to do this too. You know what I mean? It's like, it takes the big moment for the smaller things to trickle, but then for people in those smaller moments to be awoken, to make other big moments. Like there has to be a moment where people are like, oh shit, this is serious. Like, yo, I just saw Rebel close down because everybody fucking closed them out. Like, we better fucking, here, have your shows. You, you, know what needs, you know what needs to happen? I think something that we got to do as as POCs and to support each other is be like, so we, like, and it's good. We donate to, like, a lot of different things. We donate to the bail fund. We donate to support black-owned businesses, whatever, whatever. But we need to have a safety net where it's like, yo, if you feel like there's justice happening at your company or your job or whatever, go ahead. Quit that motherfucker, bro. Mm. We got you. Mm-hmm. And we either figure out how to how to rehouse that person or how to get that person another job. Well, that's the thing. We gotta start. We gotta start owning the venues and owning the labels and shit. So like that. That's 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 the, that's the real power move. Cause like yeah. Yeah, doing, yeah. doing that, doing that, doing that is sick. We don't we don't have to, we don't have the we don't have the infrastructure to support it. After you know what I'm saying? Like if a dude were to do that, the infrastructure doesn't exist. Yo, what we gotta what? do now is the like Gucci Bro. man was saying this on Instagram. He's like, "Yo, fuck the labels. Everyone just say like, fuck labels. Let's like do our own thing. Cause we're the mm-hmm. rappers. We're the we're the artists that like we put all the bread in their pockets. We we're own the-, the power. Let's take a step back and be like, fuck this label shit. Let's be independent. Let's start all independent shit. Let's do our own distribution. Let's make our let's make this bread and cut into their shit. So they don't have they can't do these slave deals no more. They can't just throw a, a dude on a 360 anymore." Cause that's something we know that our, we know our like value and our leverage. That's something that I feel like I've been wanting to state in regard to the whole idea of like, that's why I don't want this to be something where it's like we bit like yo we begged fucking Nike for this and they gave us a little crumb and then we're like I right, oh, let's all go back to work. It has to be like no like yo, even with like for instance like you were talking about like how we're giving to the this and that bail fund or whatever, and like supporting all this shit that we know is in our face, blatantly in our faces in the States. And like, it was actually strict who like hit me the most when like, I'm seeing all this bail fund, this bail fund that, and I'm I'm trying to give money somewhere. And he's like, black food bank in Toronto that supports giving food to fucking black families. And I'm like, bro, this makes so much fucking sense. Like, I'm not like, I get it. I get that, like, the fight in the States is intense and, like, they have the power from media to be able to put it everywhere. But that doesn't mean that we should ignore things that are going on at home and we shouldn't figure out how to fix things at home and then help them if, if they still need help. You know what I, mean? I feel like it, I feel like it's not as sexy to people to donate at home because it's not on the news. It's not on CNN. But, and, that's look at... issue is that, and that's what the issue is, is that, like, it's still this place where it's like, again, I don't care about the motherfucker who like, yo, I donated $1,000 to this charity and puts it on Instagram. I would much rather the person who like, yo, all I have is this $100 and I'm giving it. I don't even have to promote it. You know what I mean? It's just important to this friend that I have that's black or whatever the case may be. Like, I want the quiet motherfuckers. Like, when this shit does settle down, I'm a, if I'm in Trinity Bellwoods and I hear somebody be like, Nigger, and there's a bunch of white people around, and nobody says nothing. I'm like, I, I remember mm. that shit. So, but in that vein, let me ask you a question because I know you're a big supporter of Homeboy. How do you justify the fifty dollars shit that Virgil pulled? 
Because <laughs> I thought it was a joke, and then I seen him post. He posted it. I thought someone was just fucking with him, but I saw I wanted the story, and it was there. And I was like, man, you gotta explain that, and he never did. And I know you, you, he you did. as people, he so yeah, he, he explained, he explained he it. Oh, he did. He did. Okay, I didn't yeah. see it. What was the explanation? Because I'm but curious. I will say, it was it was definitely like a heat of the moment thing that he's going to pay for it for a very long time, especially for me because I don't accept it. But he was just basically cheesed at the fact that he's like, yo, I'm this black designer and y'all looted my store too. And y'all want me to give to the bail fund? Because what he was promoting was, or what he gave the $50 to was the bail fund. And he's like, I'm not putting money into the bail fund to bail y'all niggas out of jail when you burnt my shit down when I'm one of y'all. I Okay, okay. But then you can donate to other, why, then why donate at all then? He, he, so did, he, he did end up donating 20K. But no, no, why, why like, did he donate that 50 bucks, though? I don't, like, what was... But yo, yo, okay, yo, this is, yo, this, this is what I, from what I gathered from what everything, all the information that I fucking read up on was that he was trying to put a number out there that, that an everyday person can, can, can afford. Right? right, so he's like, "Here's my fifty, match my 50. So yeah. I, I understood that sentiment. It just comes off really poor. I mean, yeah, because like you don't need to match that fifty. You could have said that in a statement. You could have been like, "Yo, I'm yeah." You could have been shit. like, "But here's yeah, half a mil. But here's fifty, match that." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes, exactly. So in like, the end, to me, he, did he even say that when he posted it? No. So then that seems like, oh, uh, I'm going to backtrack and think of an explanation yeah. type that's thing. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. And in the end, it's not something that you can, from the place that he's in, we have to, I feel like, take it as a corrective opportunity. But he, he definitely needs to pay for that. But we should, like, black, we should X him out. He just needs yeah. to pay the sense where it's like, yo, you owe us for a very fucking long time. Yeah, make some Louis Vuitton shit cheaper, he, my nigga. He slipped. He slipped. He slipped. If we were to, if, if 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 you gave him the opportunity to like, you know, rewind time and like do that differently, I'm sure he would do it, like, with good intentions. And like, that's a dangerous thing too. Is like, I feel like, shit. We focus a lot of attention on the fact that one of our own didn't donate enough. Mm. You know what I mean? Versus like. How many people are still out there talking shit about Virgil that haven't donated one dollar yet? Yup. No, and that and that's and that's that's that cycle that keeps on like, you know, that just keeps on going and keeps on going For and sure. keeps on doing. Well, it's like well, it's like that. Uh, it could have been group. like, yo, or fifty dollars. Damn. All right, okay, whatever. Bless. Move on. Like, let's keep it going. You know what I mean? But we spend a lot of time like. Evaluating sure. what each each other does for the community. I, I don't I don't know if you guys saw. Uh, sorry to cut you off, Scotty, but um, I don't know if you guys have seen the clip of T Rex and Cardinal talking. And just this is just to talk about the whole label thing, right? Yeah. Like yo, know, we look forward to a day where we no longer have to worry about if a label has as many you know people of color in places that they need to be, especially yeah. in a culture that is fucking. That, that is black culture ultimately right so it's like it like obviously i'm paraphrasing but it's like yo literally it, it, it it's like you shouldn't be quiet until fucking those positions are filled facts facts 
No, uh, music, the music industry is like the first frontier because music and sports, those are the, the places, at least basketball and football, those are the places that are predominantly black and don't exist without black people at the level they do now. So they have all the leverage to do things that will inspire change because, bro, if every black artist said, fuck this, I ain't doing shit, these labels, they have to conform to that. Mm-hmm. I mean, they could sue them and if they wanted to, but that's just bad PR. That's not going to look good. You know, it'd be a lot easier to just be like, let me just work with these guys. Same thing with the NFL. That's what these black athletes are doing right now is they're, they're making these videos and they're protesting and they're like, yo, listen, you need to make a statement and you got to support this and you can't be doing that shit you do with Cap. That doesn't work anymore. Or, or the NBA, like guys like Kyrie Irving is like, yo, I'm not playing. This Orlando shit while all this is happening. He's using his clout, his his presence as leverage to inspire change. These black athletes and these black entertainers, they have a lot more power than like other black people in other sectors. And that type of traction and leverage, I hope, will leak over into other avenues that don't have as many prominent black people and inspires change in those avenues as well. But it starts there. It starts with music. It starts with entertainment. Yeah, like even even going back to the the whole like yo not being like urban music within these certain restaurants or clubs within our city, right? Think about it. Like hip hop, rap music is the most popular music in the world now. These are facts. Wait, is right? urban Num- music, numbers is don't urban lie. Music, so, is it just black music though? No, but urban but think about it. No, it's but think about word. it. It's a cold word, right? But yeah. but, but like, think about this. Like, when you ta- say urban music, is it is it just the term urban is like city, right? Ur- so is it is it just urban. is it just is it just black music that's considered urban? Like but, punk rock. But the thing is, hip hip hop is top forty now. It's it, it's top forty. It is what is breaking the billboard. So it's like okay, you don't want us to play the most popular music. Okay, what is what's the issue that it's it's very you know it's it's yeah. there for you to yeah. see, right? Yeah. Right. Damn. Yeah, man. It goes it goes deep. It's not even just venues labels like I, ha- I had an experience where i was on a jury for one of the um one of the music grant funding bodies and so they had me on a panel with about four or five other people from the industry and it was it was a weird experience because there were there were no black people on the panel so i kind of became the de facto poc voice that was advocating for pretty much any non-white artist and all the other panelists, they didn't know much about hip-hop, about R&B, about reggae. So now I'm kind of, as the only person of color on this panel, I'm kind of put in this situation now where I have to be an advocate for areas that I might not have the expertise on. But just because I'm not white, I am kind of have to, you know, I kind of have to fill that position now. You're going to fight the fight. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think to that effect, that is what I always felt like when people say creating space, I always felt like that was what it truly meant was like, when those situations arise, it's like, you shouldn't feel that pressure. You should actually be able to be like, no, yo, we need a black voice on this. We need, you know what I mean? And be able to have it be an issue that has to be taken care of because it doesn't make no fucking sense. Especially if there's going to be that group of people in the room, you know what I mean? But how fucking crazy is that that the most popular genre in the world right now, and we're doing we have a panel of people delegating where the money goes, and there's no one on that panel that understands or listens to that genre. 
it's the most popular genre. Where the fuck are you guys listening to music? What are you guys doing? Like, yeah, just even the way the where? even the way the jury was structured, it was like so there was like over a hundred applications that we reviewed, and we would take turns um, breaking down each particular application. So it was like I would start with one, next person would start the topic on the next application, and so on. But anytime it was like a hip hop artist or R and B artist, even when it wasn't my turn to start, they would be like. You know, this was an interesting application, but uh, I'm really interested in what noise has to say before we get into it. It's like, they, so, you know what I mean? So they, they didn't have that that insight into into the culture, into the music, and even simple things too. Like someone had allocated part of their budget to pressing up vinyl. So I'm like in this meeting with like one of the biggest funding bodies in the province explaining the importance of vinyl to hip hop. You know, because they're like, well, I don't understand why he needs to put that much of his budget towards towards vinyl pressing. Mm. Like, I don't think this is a strong application because of that. But it's like you have to understand the relevance of it. And it's like if those voices aren't getting in the door to advocate for black artists and for black art, then this is just going to perpetuate the cycle of black artists not getting the funding that they deserve. It's crazy you mentioned that because the last panel me and Trey did, they discussed uh, a governing body for uh, grants as well. Being really, uh, being very tight on like the wording and like the specifications for how to get the money. But the big thing was one of these grants, you need to break down your team and break down like where you're allocating your money. But like, okay, well, a lot of these hip hop guys, they don't have the money to, or don't have the means to have a team. They don't have like management, agent, booking agent, all this shit. They just have like their most competent homeboy, and that's their manager, and that's their dude, right? But to to the a grant body, that's like that's nothing. But to to the to hip hop culture, that's pretty much the majority of hip hop. Like, mm-hmm. yo, most of these guys came up with their best friend, and that's their manager, and that's the guy that got them position to be successful. So like, that's good enough, or that should be good enough. But to like, I'm not gonna say names because I'm hoping that one day they give us a grant, but. Um, <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, that's that's fucked up. It's 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 not designed to elevate hip hop artists or urban artists. It's I, really just designed to perpetuate what has been the popular genres in Canada, which is like country and punk and rock. And that, think, is, like, that is a good as fuck point because I'm thinking about it right now. Like, what is the whole purpose of that? And like, the purpose of it or the way they the way they word it is to is to push forward Canadian arts. You know what I mean? Mm. But it doesn't. Not at all. It's all Count- things- counterproductive. That ends up popping that's from here is not is is like completely separate from the like like if you look at Drake, you look at the weekend, you look these guys weren't getting grant money. They are well, they're getting they, they are, are now, but they, they are, are now they but are, in, in the beginning in the beginning they were, they were, they were not they were I agree. Money. They were not. But here's here's my statement on that is I feel like that kind of goes along the same lines as like the uh, presidents and CEOs of record labels and the, the the venue owners is that I feel like there's this like space I, and I don't know why and I hope that it changes and I to be honest with all the conversations that have been going on and seeing people like Cardinal speak out about it and actually even just like because of our position seeing the fucking the 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 seats at the table at these 
situations and seeing that they are so predominantly white, there's an onus that I feel like we don't take in the in the hip hop community to when we're artists, because most of us start as artists, pivot into getting into the business and changing that for the next generation. So it's like, there's a lot of managers, there's a lot of artists who like, yo, I didn't make it, fuck it, I'm gonna go get my bank job. Mm. And they leave the, the, the music industry open, whereas like, I don't even know a lot of white people who I know who are in the music industry who will leave without making some type of statement, even if they didn't make it. Like, yo, look at all, like I've spoken to so many people in the industry who are like, now music lawyers now on the fucking the the board of directors for whatever now president ceos who are like yo i was doing music before this for 20 years and it didn't work out and i went here after i didn't leave the music industry i went here because i wanted to make sure that this changed and i feel like that's something that people need that we as a community need to pay attention to to make sure that our voice is heard is to make sure that we are pivoting to getting into these positions and realizing that there's money outside of being the artist or manager or whatever and being able to get in and make those changes for the next generation and not being like, yo, I tried and I'm out now. Yeah, like even like talking about like this whole grants thing, right? Like I, I don't know, is, uh, you might know better, but I don't know if it was you or Humble that had told me this. There was something like, yo, there there's people who have won Junos who are who are like you know white but out like out there in their field and they're still applying for these grants even though they're making way more money than we could ever imagine yeah well, right yeah. we were talking about yeah. with like drake and the weekend and and belly and shit right it's like these mans are still bringing in even classified still bringing in up to a hundred thousand dollars in grants in a year That's whoa just- no no cp records cp cp records I think in 2016, I saw a report. TV Records had brought in like $950,000 in grant money. And yep. I'm like, <laughs> and like, TV Records was like Danny Fernandez and, 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 oh, and Sean Sorry, and sorry, 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 <laughs> no, they needed but, uh, Hulk Hogan in the video, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bro, this guy put this guy put three thousand, hundred thousand dollars on a genuine feature, bro. Like, chill. <laughs> like, but genuine's uh, whack his bars, bro. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? I think they Super feel fat. the pressure. I know you feel, like, you feel the pressure. I know you feel the pressure. Whoa, Ooh. whoa. <laughs> Yo, you know the most racist he thing I've ever seen in my life. In. No, oh, no, bro, bro. He he came in for that check. He said thank you very much, and he left. That like, bro, he didn't put no effort into that. But and the most racist, bro. The most racist. Post- <laughs> FedEx that shit, bro. You, you no, he didn't pay for no goddamn FedEx, <laughs> but dude, he can't post that shit, bro. Built in, bro. All the way <laughs> but, in. But yeah. the in the music industry, like shit, the one of the most racist things I've ever seen ever was that the motherfuckers giving Macklemore the Grammy over oh. Kendrick Lamar. Oh, good kid, Mad City. Giving it over Yeezus, over J. Cole, Born Center, and over Kanye West. Oh, sorry, not Kanye West. Um, Jay-Z, Magna Carta, Holy Grail. Bro, like, how the fuck is Macklemore winning that Grammy? 
that's 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 that that's that that's that governing body shit. They don't know shit about what they're doing. But it it all goes back to systemic, right? All this shit is systemic. It's it was there. It's been built by somebody else, and it might not be suitable for people of color, you know. And it now it's up to us to fucking knock those walls down and let's do it over because it clearly doesn't suit us all. Facts. And that's 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 the that's what we're doing. The stay LA is trying to knock down these walls and build this infrastructure for for people of color and and, and disenfranchised people that don't have the access to a lot of these things that will get them past where they at and and give them the ability to pursue their dreams. That's what we're trying to do. I I I got a question. Um, I think like what would be good is like. And, and it's one of the talking points I think we had is, like, how can people of color band together to make sure that, you know, going forward this that this works? Um, like, for, for, you, for you guys, like, um, Noise and Magic, like, in your opinion, like, how do, how do you feel about the situation as, as people of color but non-black? Um, like, how do you feel you can, you can best make your contribution? Or how do you feel, like, us as black people could make it easy for you guys to make your contribution so that together we can make this shit work because i i feel like as much as we've been getting the voice and as much as we need the voice we have it now but we also need to be able to give the voice to our allies who you know who are with us and like who have been supporting and been vi- victims of also racial prejudice injustice you name it so are you thinking w- within the context of music or <clears throat> just yeah, in general? Uh, music, in general. whatever you want, just, just in general, like, like, I, like, for example, like this, the Immigrant Hustle podcast, this is a, it's a brilliant platform. So like me, Jay and Trey have had the opportunity just to, you know, to, to speak our minds as, as black people of color. But like, we also know it's not just a black struggle. It's a, it's a struggle for, for South Asians as well. It's a struggle for a lot of others. Um, but like, I, I just, just. What's your, what's your take on it? Like like how do you how do you how do you feel about where you guys fit in in this whole thing and where you want to see it go? Just uh, from from my personal experience is um, a lot of people like to pretend that racism isn't within their own culture, especially with people of color, mm. right? We, we like you know we we like to be like okay, it's just white people, but ultimately brown people. Asian people, everybody has racism, whether it whether it's been taught or whatever, right? Wherever mm. it comes from, right? And for me, it was always, you know, within my family, within you know, uh, outer limits of my family. When when it when I when it was seen, it never sat right with me, right? Mm. So my my first thing was, let me educate the people that I love the most. Mm. i.e. my parents my grandparents who are from a different generation and who are are living off stereotypes because they may not have had a close friend like i did Mm. who was black or or any other color or any other culture that they did not uh or never assimilated with right and for me it was always i am gonna act off experiences i've had and I am gonna, I am gonna create the new narrative for me, mm. right? And I am gonna educate my elders that when when you are acting a certain way, it is totally against. Because 
us being six, we are we are students. We are students. We are mm. supposed to we are supposed to have respect and love for all cultures. Mm. We are one of the only religions that say that we don't say our religion is the only religion and we are right, you guys are wrong. Our sh our religion was based off of learning from every other religion and being like you're not wrong. Let me take what I feel is right out of your religion and let if I feel like this is going to better me I'm going to take that knowledge and I'm going to add it to my knowledge. Mm. Right? So so we come from a very rich thing, but the world we live in, right, and society has shifted that within our culture. Right? right? But it is up to our generation, my generation, and the generation that comes after me to realize that that's, we've lost our way and we have had a lot of bullshit thinking that has been put in place and either, yeah, we just think, okay, just because they're our parents, they're 100% right. Right. And we're going to either follow them or you you realize the bullshit and you, you nip it in the bud mm -hmm. before it fucking becomes a big thing, right? So that's that's the first part. The, the, the second part for me is always, like, we've said it, the, the listening part. I, I can't, like, you know, I can relate to, to certain things, but I cannot relate to everything. So right, right. before I have an opinion on something I can't relate to, find out about it, mm. learn about it, mm. figure it, see what the, see both sides of the story, see everything. Once you have the information, if you still can't bring in the information and fucking do good out of it, then I don't know, maybe you're a lost cause. All right. But for right. me, it's also, it's always give people the information and then hopefully through that, you can be better, right? Yeah. And yeah, uh, noise. Yo, if you can add anything. Yeah, I think I think you hit the nail on the head, man. Like in, with my upbringing, like I grew up in Malton, like a very very mixed neighborhood, very mixed area, and I had elders in my family that would tell me things like, "Yo, don't 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 play with the Muslim kids or don't play with the black kids." Right. You know, that was kind of like ingrained um, with some of the elders. And so one thing that I'm trying to do is to buck that so that cycle doesn't continue. It's like talking to my nieces about discrimination. Um, like one of my nieces, for example, like when the, whole, when the whole George Floyd thing happened, like she took the time to actually like learn about it. She wanted to know more about it because it was in the news. And she like actually drew a picture of George Floyd. And, wow. you know. Yeah, just and I was as well. Like when I think last year I was spending a lot of time just doing research, working on a few projects, and she was learning about Black History in school. And this was like even after Black History Month, she wanted to continue learning about it. So I would like sit with her at the computer, and she would be like, "Oh, who is like Rosa Parks, for example?" And we'd like spend time finding resources. She wanted to learn. There was just that knowledge. So I think like to stop perpetuating that cycle of like anti-blackness within the South Asian community is one of the things that I'm trying to do is like with the people closest to me, meaning my nieces, just like have those conversations with them and make it normal for them to understand that there is discrimination in the world and that we should stand up against it. So that's, that's one of the things that I'm doing just on like on a home level. And then just kind of going back to the point where we talked about allyship, um, so, for example, like this past weekend, there was the the Brampton rally, the Black Lives Matter uh, rally in Brampton. So I wanted to get involved. I wanted to to help organize. So I reached out to the organizers. They're like, yeah, you know, this is what we, we need help with. If you could bring, 
you know, XYZ things to, to the march, you know, we'd really appreciate it. So I got there. I'm kind of waiting around. I'm like, okay, I want to get involved. I want to do more. But I kind of felt like, I don't know, I kind of felt like I wanted to do more, but, you know, no one was asking me. So that's when I kind of had to check myself and say, like, okay, this isn't really, this isn't necessarily about me. That, like, that was my own ego saying, like, mm-hmm. I want to get involved. Like, let me have a larger role to play within this organization. But it's like, no, this is, this is like, this is a black movement. My liberation is tied to it, but it's not up to me to say, yo, I want this, this spot in it. Like, as an ally, it's like, you provide the support and the people that are in charge of the movement, it's up to them to say how you can best support. Right. It's not up to me to, to put my voice higher than anybody else or like, you know, overstep my role in it. So the, I guess those are two of the things, like learning when to, to, to speak up and learning when to share knowledge, but at the same time, learning when to be quiet and learning when to fall back. Facts. Amazing. Yeah, I, I just had a, I, that just uh, reminded me, I had this uh, random encounter actually uh i was uh i was going for a massage like an actual massage not like a, not an after hours flex but i was going for a regular massage and uh and uh like uh i had a I had a black lady who was uh, doing my massage and then she got to my arm and as many of you know i have lauren hill tattooed on my arm right mm. and she goes wow is that lauren hill and i'm like yeah and then she was like, wow, I can't believe that. And like, she was like overly surprised. Right. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, why, why are you so like surprised? Like, you know, like hip hop, like my ignorance was like, yo, like, you know, hip hop music is a big thing for me. Right. But, but the thing was, the perspective was a brown man having a black female tattooed on his skin. And this was in Brampton. So they, you know, like the, every, everybody, everybody knows the underlining tone of, 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 the racism and all that stuff right but it was just like she was so surprised by it right but that's you know like even though that ain't shit to the plight it's you know it's like i've i just wanted to be able to express myself Mm. right and that that, that's a black woman who did a lot for me right? right and that's why i had that tattoo right but that that ultimately going forward I don't, I don't ever want that to be, I don't want, like, you know, the, 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 the tension within POCs, like that break, that shit breaks my heart, bro. And like, but that's the thing. It's like everything me and noise just talked about. It's if we, if we, if our generation just allows it, then, yo, we're no better than we're, we're no better than the man that fucking has a hood over his head with the white, the white clan. We might as well be that we're just more silent. Right. Right. So it, it is ultimately about realizing what is going on and then being the change that you want to see as kind of, you know, as yeah, not and corny, just, but you know. <laughs> just along the points of that, like I was talking to a friend of mine um, and she she broke it down really well. She's like, you know, our our community, like Punjabi community, we came to Canada. We did pretty well for ourselves. And now we're at a generation like where a lot of us are comfortable. And our parents had to struggle, our elders had to struggle in order to make something for themselves here. And like, we've got it pretty good, but it's like, are we going to remove ourselves from that struggle that other communities might be going through? Or are we going to, you know, put ourselves on the line and like put our, put some of our privilege on the line to help somebody else come up. Mm. So it's that's like, that's it's, what it is. Yeah. It's very easy to get comfortable. And so right. it's it's important that we keep having these conversations and we keep 
putting the money up and we keep doing the work and keep amplifying the voices long after the hashtag stop trending. Mm. Definitely. In That's fact, a beautiful way to close it out, I feel like. Hey, oh, man. Honestly, it's it's been such a pleasure. You know, you guys, you know what it's like, man. It's always love when we talk. It's always yes, been a yes. family thing. Stay out late. You guys, you guys are uh, 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 you, uh, uh. you guys are one with us always. And I hope you guys feel the same way. I Well, fuck that. I know you guys feel the same <laughs> 10, way. 10,000 percent. But, uh, but you know what? Like, you, uh, uh, obviously, fucking, we'd love to fucking just, just, just uh have fun and talk our shit but in times like this it is very important to to create the narrative that we want to see out there because like you like noise has said the canadian media has really showed its ass this past week <laughs> and, and the past couple weeks so you know it's very important but uh my brothers i i really appreciate you guys taking the time to speak with us and, you know, I hope this does educate somebody who is listening. And even if that's one person, we have done our job today, boys. 100%. And, yo, when this, when this COVID shit is done, bro, we're going to do this again in person. And, yo, yo, yo if, 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 I could just, if I could just get a quick word in, Brad, like, I, I really do believe, like, this platform is amazing. And even in this conversation, like, I realize, like, we all are brothers, like, for real. And we are the generation that's leading leading the change that we that we want to see after us so thanks to to you magic and to you noise for being like real allies true allies true brothers and like being with us in this fight we're in this shit together and we're gonna win as long as we continue doing shit like this so thanks for giving us the opportunity to speak and this is how we win 100 percent. facts oh man thank you guys for just always just welcoming us with open arms like from the beginning man like yeah, it, your your friendship, your support, it means a lot. I think that's a good place to leave it, boys. This has been another Immigrant Hustle podcast. Okay.